adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Welcome to Rete This Way. My name is Michael D'Angelo, and uh, this podcast, of course, is the, po- the culture podcast that brings you the latest and greatest news from the world of Serie A soccer. Uh, as always with me, I have Paolo Nobaloni Mangoni. Welcome back, everybody. Mr. Chris Paselli. Go on, everyone. And, of course, Santa's favorite elf, Julian D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs> They're good, Julian. They're good now. Um, uh, that was Paulo's favorite song, favorite Christmas song uh, of all time. He's actually, um, I should have said this before, but uh, Paulo is Adriano Celentano's nephew. <laughs> I don't know where you got that information, but uh, thank you for the compliment. Okay. It was on the internet, so I, it's, it's true. It's got to be true. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me, let me, here, let me tweet it quick, and then it'll be true for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so that was, uh, that was a, a nice little... Um, uh, Christmas song, I guess, because we're uh, we're in Christmas uh, the, the Christmas mood because Christmas is this week. So why not uh, have a little bit of fun there? Let, maybe I should get some like jingle bells going on YouTube here, just like a little sound clip. I'll get something going here eventually. Um, but we have uh, a fun show for uh, the listeners this week. We are going to do a little bit things a little bit differently this week. So we, there was, as we know. Uh, basically a jam-packed week with uh, midweek games and then obviously uh, these match day 13 games as well. So there was 12 and 13. Uh, So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of run through the table a little bit just to kind of solidify what that kind of looks like for everyone. And we can talk about, you know, the games, the past couple of games that happened for each team. Uh, But I think mainly what we want to do is just kind of set the table for the, um, the post Christmas kind of break that's going to come up uh, very shortly. So what we'll do first is we'll run through one through 10. We'll go through 11 through 20. Uh, and then we have, of course, uh, the first annual RTW uh, winter solstice extravaganza after the, after the <laughs> second break here. So that'll be fun. Um, did I miss anything? Anybody? No, I think you got it all. I, th- I think Paulo's going to sing. I think he, he's going to <laughs> sing. <laughs> To Shandy yeah. della Stelle in a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, you also forgot the Serie B minute at the end of the uh, We'll see if we have time for that, okay? Yeah, I want to hear you sing first. Yes, it will, <laughs> the Serie B minute can wait if it means that Paulo's going to sing to Shandy della Stelle. You're, you're, you're Celentano's nephew, so you have to be able to sing his song. <laughs> Uh, no, no comment, Michael. Let's uh, let's get this podcast. I like that he's trying to. He's not saying no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, hey, that's a possibility. We, we might see that. Honestly, Paul, that's good podcasting. I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm trying to uh, please please the host here. You I know? appreciate that. Wow. 
I feel like I, maybe I don't treat you quite as well as I should on this podcast. Obviously. Oh. <laughs> is that, is that really how you feel, Paulo? Well, you know, sometimes with the, with the, uh, telling me to shut up when I, when I go on too long, but you know, sometimes it, <laughs> Sometimes it goes. It's yeah, a but that's much. because Chris sends me a text and says, "Tell Paulo to shut up." <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason I do it. <laughs> oh, okay, enough with the picture. Let's get to the game. <laughs> okay, fine. Shut up, Paulo. Uh, okay, why don't we? Uh, yeah, let's start. Uh, like I said, we'll start from uh, the top of the table here. So let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Milan. So after thirteen. Matches played, uh, they have a 9-4-0 record, and they sit with 31 points in first place. Is that, uh, wow. <laughs> I would, yeah. I mean, I would let Paulo talk about Milan, but he won't do it any justice. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I think, like, every, even every Milan fan, every Calcio fan is obviously surprised to see Milan top of the table, and, you know, rightfully so. I think, uh, you know, third or fourth would have been, and I, you know, the expected position. But yeah, first is obviously fantastic. Um, not the best run of form. I mean, you could look at it and say, you know, undefeated, which is, you know, definitely misleading uh, because there was a draw against Parma, 2 2. There was a 2 2 draw against Genoa. You know, two clubs that are, you know, expected to finish, you know, bottom half of the table, you know, maybe even get relegated for all we know. Mm-hmm. And then they were able to follow it up with a win against Sassuolo over the weekend. So good news on that front. But um, yeah, Pioli's, you know, done well. Obviously not having Ibra for, you know, X number of games now has hurt. Um, But he's managed. There's been, you know, flow of injuries. We'll we'll really see the squad depth now with Kessie, Benacer, Tonali all having some sort of knock. And that midfield depth is going to get tested a la Davide Calabria. But... (laughs) Yeah, as a Milan fan, I'm happy and looking forward to 2021 for sure. Okay, as a Milan fan, do you think yeah. this is sustainable? Uh, it depends how far they go into Europa League. So I think if they go far, I don't think we have a chance at winning the Scudetto because the further we get, obviously, the better squads Milan's going to come up against and Pioli's going to more or less be forced to play a strong 11 midweek and then a strong 11 on the weekend. And I think that's where results will start to falter. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it a bit later, but uh, where we think everybody's going to end mm-hmm. up, I, I'll say for now, yes, but it's dependent on their European exploits. Right, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we talked about where they are right now. My, like, I kind of want to jump in and talk about how, you know, the two, two, two games that are coming up next, uh, they play Lazio uh, midweek on Wednesday, I believe, and then they play Juventus. Uh, the sixth, I think it's the sixth, and then they, with Benevento in between. Yeah. Uh, again, those those are not easy games, and I feel like I, like I've been saying the past two two episodes is that it's going to come down to those three games uh, to if Milan can hold on to the top of the table. Oh, we'll get the Lazio in a, in a second, but like. Uh, you have uh, a Lazio who is fighting for their manager's, uh, you know, uh, life yeah. at, at the club, and then uh, again another Inzaghi brother against Benevento, who are not a, are not a pushover. You know, they we'll get into later. They tied against Lazio, and then Juventus, who you know, 
must see this game, must see that game as a, as a must win game. Uh, to me, that's where put aside the fact that they're going to be in Europe, Milan, that is, uh, I don't think playing against those types of clubs with a midfield of a potential midfield of Chanaloglu, uh, Krunich, and Calabria against Lazio is is good enough to sustain the top of the table uh, form. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Chris. No, go ahead. No, no, go no, ahead. no, no, no. You go. Ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the the Tonali Kessie injuries aren't long term. Um, Benacera could be you know, up to six weeks from what I'm reading. So. Hmm. That isn't too concerning, knowing that Tonali and Kessie should be back within a week or two. We also have to remember the January transfer window is coming up, and you know Maldini's. I think I would give him, you know, an A plus rating on the his transfer market so far. So, you know, if if the if the expectation is that Milan's going to be short midfielders for the long term this season, I would expect him to at least go and get somebody on loan that can perform, you know, tomorrow if needed. So. I know I look at like a Rincon from Torino. Maybe that ends up being a transfer, but somebody who's experienced in Serie A that can play big minutes if needed, but uh, not worried based on what we know right now. Right. And just, well, just to jump in quickly before, Paul, you go in. Yeah. Um, I just I think that what is in their favor, like you said, they're, Paul, you were mentioning, you know, the kind of next couple of games are going to be def- definitive, I think, a little bit for their early season, if this is like for real or not. But at the same time, it couldn't have come at a better time for them because, like Chris said, like if they're fighting in, in Europe, that's going to be a big distraction. Right now, that's not there, right? They're playing midweek, but they're playing, you know, Benevento midweek. So it's not like it's um, impossible to get through. These are big games. They're going to attack it the way that they should if they're, you know, if they're serious about being contenders, right? But I think this actually comes at a beneficial time for them because of those reasons, right? Like you have to expect that they're not going to uh they're not going to take that lightly either like the juventus game for example like juve i think are probably hopefully going to uh be you know circling that as probably one of two games that they need to take from milan to kind of jump above them but milan also need to be circling that as well to be like okay well this is where we you know kind of solidify ourselves i'm jumping in i'll jump in sorry just to quickly defend milan we've said the same thing a little bit first uh, beginning of the year, they had Romagnoli out. They were starting Kier and uh, Gabi at the back, and we thought, oh, that's not going to do well. Didn't cause any issues. And then Ibra mm-hmm. gets hurt, and we say the same thing. Like, oh, they're going to drop points again. And mm-hmm. they still didn't really. So kudos to them. They've been resilient through their injuries and everything. Um, that midfield is a little bit rough, though. But, I mean, yeah, I think it'll just be for this week. And then I think with the weekend break going into the week after they'll have some of those guys back though. Yeah. Paul, do you want, do you have something you want to throw in? Well, uh, yeah. So they play Benevento, the the game when they come back. So the third after New Year's and then it's Juventus yeah. on the sixth. So, uh, but my, my point is, like, I understand what you're all saying is that, but I, I still, I, I find it hard to believe that this form is sustainable. Like it is, for me, it's just mind-boggling. Like again, like just from a, um, I wouldn't say objective perspective, but just from a a a, a Syria perspective against, uh, you know, 
the, the the games that they played so far, other than Inter, when when Inter was struggling for form, they haven't really played uh, any of the big clubs. They 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 drawn against against Roma, and again, that's that's when Donnarumma was, uh, was. I think he had COVID that game, and so for me, it's it's that they're not, they don't have the depth to, as Chris said, play in Europe and st- still maintain. Uh, a, like a string of, of wins in Syria. Yeah. Again, I think we'll, we'll, we'll see kind of, I think that's kind of what we're all saying is we'll see what they're made of with these next couple of games, right? I think it'll kind of help solidify whether this was, you know, a fluke a little bit or whether they're for real. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah. Uh, one more point. Also, Gabby is out injured for a while too. And, uh, was it Kalulu? It was playing in center at uh, center back. So and they're leaking goals, but because they're they're so I guess strong going forward. And Chris can talk more to this. Uh, they it, they're kind of offsetting the fact that they've been also conceding more goals than they have earlier on right. in the season. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll we probably want to move on here, but obviously Pioli has to you know tinker his tactics depending on who's in the lineup. So he's got you know no Ibra. So that's a big change. And then no Chiar or Romagnoli at times. So there's a big change at the back. So, you know, if it means winning games 4-2 for the time being, then then so be it. I don't think any Milan fans are going to be upset with that. Obviously, it's not sustainable for an entire season. But, you know, these things come up. And this is why managers get paid what they get paid. Yeah, that's it. Okay, let's, uh, yeah, to Chris's point, let's, uh, why don't we continue this uh, discussion on to the second place here. So, um, after 13 games played as well, Inter are in second with a 9-3-1 record. So they are at 30 points and one point behind first place Milan. So how, what do we think with that? Is that, uh, is that a fair, is that a great position for them? I, I, we've, there's a lot of negativity around Inter, I think, this season so far. But is it merited? Um, merited, yes and no. Obviously, when you look at the European failure then yes it's absolutely warranted but if you look at the league um especially more so of late i don't really think so i know i saw a spot on twitter early on into leaking holes horribly um but that's because they didn't have screen or dry bastoni together probably till about the fifth or sixth game in um but since the three of them have started in the back in nine games they've only allowed eight goals so i think that kind of speaks to enter's form and why they've kind of been able to turn the season I mean, sorry, yeah, season around partially. Um, but I mean, they score goals. I think they were, they might have the most goals so far in the league or second most. Yeah, they have, uh, I have it right here, actually. They have 32 goals, which is good for, oh, my page jumped. I think around. Napoli was close to them. Uh, well, Napoli actually has 26. They're actually even behind Roma. So I think 32 actually is the, uh, the high mark there. Yeah, they are. Lead right now. So, yeah. like, when you look at those numbers, like, I think it is warranted. Um, but yes, obviously the criticism when it comes to Europe is 100% warranted. Yes. Agreed. Um, I think we'll see, uh, an inter that obviously is going to be refocused now because of the fact that they, they've crashed out of Europe. I don't know if anyone heard, um, <laughs> but I think I you think... maybe mentioned it a couple times last episode. I did. Maybe. Mm, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> Sounds like Paulo. You're, 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 you're too <laughs> modest, Michael. Um, I think, yeah, this is, 
in my opinion, at this point, where everyone else is, Inter, again, based on the, the whole environment, I think this is kind of Inter's race to lose. Um, I agree. I don't know. I think we need to wait for the Derby d'Italia. I think whoever, whatever the result in that one will be kind of who we think that whoever's race to lose at that point. Um, I'm not counting Juve out. I know you guys always like to downplay Juve, but Juve always managed to uh, pull through somehow. Um, but speaking of that, I've actually found Inter's most recent games. They won a scrappy one nothing win uh, against Napoli. And then, let's bet, yeah, they won 2-1. to It wasn't overly convincing, but overall they were the better team. Um, but those are the games I usually find myself watching and it would be Juve who they don't play well, but somehow at the end of the day, they pull out three points. And I will on, say the past two weeks that's been inter. Yeah. But again, that's a different Juve, I think, right? Like th- that's Juventus who were champions over the last nine seasons. I don't see that this year. I can like, especially yeah. again, we'll get into Juve next, but that's a really like, like we were saying, Milan is probably looking at that a game against, as you should, against the champions, the current champions. You need to be circling those games, like you said, and, and that's what you need to focus on. So that Derby yeah. Italia is on the 17th of January. Um, and is that the Whoa. last match day before it flips? No, I think, I think there's one or two more after that. Yeah, what match day is that? Yeah, uh, because... I think on the 12th, there's also Coppa Italia to deal with as well. I'll check with yes. match day. I know it wasn't the last match day because I remember when the schedule was released, they weren't playing match day 38. Okay. Um, but I think it's probably 17 or 18. So while Jung looks... looks, Yeah, that makes... I, mean, I think 17. 17 is into Roma. Um, 18. Match day 18. Okay, so then I think that is the last... I feel like that, or did they play 19? No, no it's 18. 18. Yeah, my math is right. 19. 18. Yeah, oh, yeah, because there's 20 teams. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So I, I just wanted to point out, uh, we're talking about, Julian was talking about uh, scrappy games. Um, this season for Inter reminds me of Conte's first season at Juventus. Uh, you know, winning, uh, again, not being in Europe, uh, even though, again, put, put aside of the fact that they got knocked out of Europe. But moving forward, they're not in Europe. They're, they're uh, winning games that they're supposed to win against, for example, the one nothing against Napoli. Uh, I mean, I passed out <laughs> during that game because it was so incredibly boring. Um, and, and they won that game in the end. And then they beat a Spezia team who has been uh, a, a thorn in all the bigger sides. And, and, they're, and they're coming out and they're winning those games. And for me, that reminds me of Conte's first season at Juventus where uh, – that that was a season where they went undefeated and they just, and they managed to scrape every single result uh, that they had to, and they and then they, they ended up becoming uh, becoming champions at the end of the season. Um, so my point is is that I do agree with Michael that it's Inter's to lose, uh, just because of the sole fact that they're not in Europe. Yeah, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't want to get into it too much just with regards to the placement because I think we're going to get into it later. But yeah, I yeah, think yeah. not being in Europe is huge. I think for probably the past four or five episodes, we've been talking about clubs and managers and how they're doing with squad rotation. And that's just not a thing anymore for Inter because they're not in Europe. I mean, Coppa Italia is still there, but that's 
maybe three more games. Uh, I've lost track of what round they're at, right. but yeah, I think it's you know the the cards are stacked in Inter's favor the way things stand right now. Yeah, and and looking at the future schedule, so they play Hellas, who's not an easy team, but again, it still should be a winnable game because of the fact that uh, they they only can focus on Serie A for these three games. Uh, after after New Year's, they come they play against Crotone again. That should be another winnable game. And then uh, on the on the Wednesday, the 6th, they play against Sampdoria. So the only, out of those three games, the only uh, challenges are Verona and Sampdoria. Compared that to Milan, who are playing Lazio, Benevento, Juventus. And then uh, Juventus are playing uh, Fiorentina. Uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that after. But again, I think Inter has the better run of uh, the three, the top three teams. Yeah, possible. I, I just want to... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to, before we move on, um, a big key to them in the past couple of games has shown is that Stefano Sensi, if he can get healthy, he mm-hmm. is the player who everybody was hoping Ericsson could be. Um, when you watch him, he's just, he kind of completes that midfield. He brings that link between the midfield and the strikers. So if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a very vital player for them. Uh, uh, okay, one more point, Julian, just on a moment of hilarity. Uh, what do you think of the Italian press finally turning on Gallardini? <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> he's not, again, I've said it before, he's, I don't think he's a bad player. I know we have our fellow Inter fan who thinks he's god-awful. Um, but he's not quality enough to start for Inter, quite frankly. So, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he should be a starter for a mid-table team, but that's about it. Right. Well, at this point in this juncture, uh, and again, it might be something that they can, that they literally can't put behind them, but um, their, their loss is against first place Milan. So that's obviously the difference at this point, right? Having yeah. uh, lost that point or those points to Milan and, and giving it to them to, to be that, uh, that much above them. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I guess, yeah, to Chris's point, we'll kind of get into what, how we think this is going to shake up maybe a little bit later on. But I think Inter are in a uh, pretty good position at this point. Uh, okay, let's, yeah, and this, for, just for the sake of time, let's move on. Uh, we'll go into third place Juventus. So after, again, 13 matches played, they have won seven, drawn six, lost zero, and have 27 points for um, four points behind league leaders Milan. Let's go to Paulo first. Paulo, what do you think of this position? Okay, so um, all things considering uh, the kind of the rough start at the, at the beginning of the season uh, and then, you know, dropping points as uh, Chris <laughs> likes to remind me against Crotone. Um, so teams, games that where you sh- like points should not have been dropped, uh, but that I, get, I think that, that comes down to um, Pirlo being a new manager, uh, finally um, changing tactics to, to add in a uh, three-man midfielder, uh, sorry, three-man midfield. And also McKenney, uh being the player that we kind of discussed at the beginning of the season uh, where he was able to add energy and interceptions mm-hmm. into that midfield. And also being, again, as I talked about the three-man midfield, uh, being that anchor to kind of start off uh, the counter uh, the counter attacks 
um, against against the smaller clubs and also against Barcelona, which I like to point out that we won three nothing, um, and and also uh, scoring uh, scoring scoring goals and nice goals as well. So I, I think McKinney is the reason why we're in the position that we are, good or bad, because whenever we played bad, is because McKinney was playing bad. Also, I want to point out that Aaron Ramsey is finally up, you know, living up to expectations. Uh, I really enjoyed his performance against uh, against Parma, set up uh, Ronaldo mm-hmm. for one of his goals. And I just want to point out, so uh, we're, we're talking about the last two rounds, right? Um, again, it was kind of disappointing, uh, you know, dropping points against Atalanta. Uh, again, I, I think it was an inspired Papu Gomez who wanted to get his revenge after being, like, benched for the past few games. And... Uh, and, and also being Parma for nothing, but I, I just want to point out to our listeners that 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 celebrations of beating Parma for nothing have to be kind of like rationalized in the fact that Parma played three games in a week, so uh, it was a very uh, very tired Parma. But again, it was an important uh, performance in the fact that we put up four goals against a, uh, a lower uh, a lower. Club what, team. what I'll quickly say because Mike, I I know you want to jump in, just with regards to McKenny, I I think it's I can't disagree and say he's not playing well Uh, I think it's very easy though to associate you know Juve's success with him just because he's scored you know a handful of big goals the past few games but I don't know if you can attribute as much team success to him as you mentioned Paulo I think he deserves some of the credit absolutely especially being a young player he's new to Serie A probably doesn't you know have a full grasp of the language yet so kudos to him for doing well but I don't know if he deserves that much credit for Juve's recent success. I think um, maybe this is my bias coming through. I think more of that needs to go to Pirlo, who's maybe made the necessary adjustments, um, you know, being new to management and whatnot and figuring out what his players like and don't like. So uh, I think we just need to pump the brakes a bit on McKenny's praise, but he does deserve some. Julian? Um. I mean, to be honest, I haven't watched enough Juve. I didn't hear on or see on Twitter, sorry, with McKinney that he actually won the American Player of the Year overall, um, which is, I mean, again, I don't watch enough of him, but kudos to him. Usually Pulisic is the one who's the big name American that you see all the time. Yep, true. Um, or uh, or Gio Reyna from... Uh, yeah, Bush exactly. Dortmund. So good for him. Probably might be onto something. Um, but Juve, again, I do find... Yeah, they've drawn, obviously, six games so far this year. Um, but they're still, like, they haven't lost the game yet, which is still pretty big feed, right? So that's why I'm not counting them out. I still think they're favorites to win, especially after winning nine in a row. <laughs> um, and, I mean... You, you just want, you with, just don't want that juju on Inter. That's why you're saying that. I mean, it's part of the reason why. Yeah, but Michael, I you they have one nine in a row, and with Ronaldo, you can never count them out, right? Yeah, I, I'll say this though, Paul. But hold on. So, yeah. to your point about McKenny and, and Chris's point, I think it's important to, I think, again, just make that line sand. Yeah, I don't know that it's McKenny that's making that total difference, but he is making a difference, and I think. It could be attributed to Pirlo. Maybe he's getting over a little bit of the growing pains of uh, managing his first year managing, right? Any side, period. Um, and I think what you said earlier, Paulo, about it's it's good considering. Uh, again, I think it is good considering. I, we've been hard on Juve because, again, we expect 
after nine championships in a row, you kind of expect excellence, right? It's, mm. I, I, I think, again, it's, it's a little bit of, uh, we had to temper our expectations this time around because of the circumstances that were happening. They found themselves in uh, terrible positions uh, with, in terms of transfers. They couldn't get rid of people. They needed to rejuvenate the squad, right? There was no, um, some people weren't leaving. Some people weren't going to leave for, you know, for free, et cetera, right? So they needed to, uh, they needed to act. And these moves that they made, again, bringing in McKenney, bringing in Pirlo, have actually worked out to some degree, not to that championship caliber degree. Because again, those six draws, you need to be taking points from. You need to be taking points from Benevento. You need to be taking points from Crotone. Those are two massive draws that if you win those games, you're you're tied with Milan, right? You're first, exactly. So it's yeah. it's one thing to say, uh, you know, that it's their championship to lose because you know they have that expectations of they're they're the past champions nine in a row. I think again they came into this a very different squad than the last nine. But that being said, I do have some optimism for them because they. Again, all of those things considered, being four points back in um, in the table based on you know in, in, a, in a table with COVID happening with all that stuff, it's it's going to be very uh, it's going to be very interesting if they can maintain this pace that they're going at with being undefeated. They've 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 actually done well in Champions League for once, um, even again considering they had to scrape by a couple wins they've still managed to finish first in their group. And now they have a favorable game against Porto in whenever it is March, I think. Yeah. So it's, they've set themselves up well, um, possibly by, by fortune. Uh, but again, I think for Juventus to finish this season as champions, they need to obviously take down Inter and take down Milan. Those are the, that's the only way that it was ever going to happen. Uh, and, and I mean, they also have to, take those points against Cortone, you know, Genoa, Spezia, whoever they're playing where, you know, you need to take all three points from because you know now that Milan can do it and Inter can do it. And Inter will do it because they don't have to fight in Europe, right? Right. Um, so, okay, uh, you guys are talking about how uh, the how McKinney is not the entire reasoning behind, you know, how Juventus kind of turned it around. Um you can also point uh, point to the fact that Delic was out for what until November ish, mm-hmm. early November, and then as soon as he entered into the side, things kind of settled, and and they started you know putting in con- more consistent performances. Um, I think uh, Buffon said something very important uh, after the win against Parma is that uh, that they have to play like they did against Parma for. Uh, on a consistent basis. I think he said for the next seven or eight mm-hmm. games or some, something mm-hmm. along those lines. And that's a very, something very important to say. Again, it's kind of temper the expectations, as you said, Mike. And then I just want to point out as well, uh, now that I got the chance, uh, Chiesa. Uh, people were, were shitting on Chiesa about how, you know, coming to from Fiorentina is not good enough. Uh, I think he's kind of quieted that that you know, boo boys Julian. in the sense that he's actually play, uh, <laughs> in the sense that he's been playing well and he's actually been contributing with assists. Yeah, that's, that's it is a good point because that's someone else who he came on the last day of the Mercado, right? And that was 
that was a body who everyone was like, okay, well, he's, you know, the, you can recognize that he is a talented player, but again, is he, uh, is he a high caliber player? And I don't think we've seen that yet necessarily, but we've definitely seen him uh, not miss a step and, and kind of contribute to the team, right? He scored, he scored in champions. He scored in, in the league. He's been providing solid, uh, at least depth, right? Which is what they're going to need. Um, especially, again, considering Inter are not in Europe because they, they can, to Chris's point earlier, they can just compete. They don't need to compete on multiple fronts. They can just compete on one front. Um, but, yeah, again, I, I just think it's, all, it's always going to come down to uh, these games against the teams above them here. Um, can they do it? Uh, I mean, yeah, you can never count them out, like Julian said, but I don't know. I, this, is, this is definitely, even even that season where they were in, like, 10th after whatever it was uh seven match days or whatever it was when when you know when Pogba was the number 10 I think that's that was the first season that he was the number 10 or something here and then they eventually climbed back right I think this one is more in jeopardy than that one was uh, I, I, okay Mike I agree with you on that point uh and also it goes back to what Allegri used to say about you know the first 10 games of the season that the other games uh before Christmas uh are irrelevant uh, to because of the fact that you play so many more important games towards the end of the season. And again, that's the theory that's being played out right now. You know, you have Milan in first uh, after uh, 13 games, 14 games. And you have Juventus, you know, still undefeated, but are being criticized because they're dropping points against the small teams is because the focus is not there. And uh, and if, if the old adage, like, again, I go back to what Allegri has been saying, uh, that you started hit hit peak form in March, right? That's when all like the again uh, the uh, Champions League knockout games, uh, Syria around twenty five ish. That's when the league table starts to get mm-hmm. more important, and people start looking at the league table. Uh, and and Mike, you mentioned uh, depth, and I just wanted to point out that it's nice to see Chiesa coming on ahead of Bernardeschi, yes. who came on. Uh, against Parma and was absolutely yeah, and has been useless <laughs> for three years now. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's again. Let's uh, in the interest of moving on and actually having a good show because otherwise we'll talk about three teams for two, fourteen hours. Let's um, let's move on mm-hmm. to Roma here in fourth position. So Roma after thirteen games played, seven three and three. So seven wins, seven draw, uh, three, seven draws, three draws, and three losses uh, for twenty-four points. So that that leaves them seven points back of Milan in first. So is that a great position for Roma so far? I'll jump in quickly. I, I think if you would have asked Fonseca and you know the Roma hierarchy at the beginning of the season if they would have been okay with you know fourth going into the Christmas break, they probably would have been a, a big yes. Um, we'll talk about this later, but I don't know if any of us had Roma finishing in the top four. Uh, not that we're, you know, the, the greatest experts by any, by any stretch, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think fourth is good for them right now. And it, that's, that's a fourth place. And we all, we, most of us anyways, have acknowledged that Roma are not defending at a very high level right now. So they're, they're scoring, you know, goals of plenty, but uh, not defending super well. So if Fonseca can get that sorted, I think a top four finish is, um, I don't want to say likely, but I'll say it's possible. Paulo? 
Uh, I just wanted to point out that uh, Roma are struggling horrendously against top clubs. And uh, I follow, I'm a big advocate of Roma Twitter because I find they're the best, uh, most entertaining to, to follow on Twitter. Uh, that they've been, they've been celebrating too much against, like with, after wins against, you know, for example, Torino, uh, Bologna, the big wins against those clubs and absolutely shooting the bet against top clubs. So uh, I saw a nice tweet from uh, Roma, Roma Twitter, John Solano. And he posted uh, Fonseca's record against big clubs. So for, I'll, I'll just go through the list here. Juventus, one win, one draw, two losses. Inter, zero wins, two draws, zero losses. Napoli, one win, zero draws, two losses. Milan, one, one, one. Atlanta, <laughs> zero, zero, uh, zero wins, three losses. And Lazio, two draws. As you, uh, so as you can see, that is not a very good record against the top clubs. And, and, and to me, that also is the reason why uh, they have such a poor defensive record is because they begin be, because they're getting blown out against the bigger clubs. Yeah, I think uh, those are good points. I, I think that it's a little harsh because they've, again, this season is not going to be a typical season. There's going to be a lot of draws. There's going to be a lot of like, it's going to be a much closer race. And I think drawing against a team like Juve, drawing Milan 3-3, like those are not, I mean, that game though was a little bit stupid anyways because of those bullshit penalties, yeah. right? That was just a, a mess. But in any case, you know, those games against Milan and Juve, at least you took a point there. Um, the losses, though, I will say, like losing 4 nothing to Napoli, losing 4-1 to, to Atlanta, like those are those are not great games to lose. But I think the killer one is 3 nothing to Hellas Verona. Um, and I think that is where what's going to kind of... This is the way I see it is those first three teams are probably going to be top tier teams. That's one of those three teams is likely going to be the first place winner. Roma. I don't see up there. I don't see Roma finishing, you know, above those guys. Well, it could be below above one of them. If something happens, for example, there's injuries or, you know, they, uh, another, whatever happens. I just don't see Roma being as like that top echelon. That's fair. I think too, much like I, I spoke about with Milan, you know, Roma drew Braga, you know, Portuguese club in the round of 32 for Europa League. So most people would expect them to go through. So, you know, again, same thing. The further Roma goes into that competition, the more there's going to be an expectation for Fonseca to play a stronger 11 midweek, which will obviously impact, you know, the 11 he puts out on the weekend in Serie A. So that will definitely influence, yeah. you know, how well Roma does. So, you know, I think we talked. I do want to add. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just want to add a little bit to what I was saying. Like again, three nothing Hellas Verona was one that one. Yeah, where they, they started. They played Diawara, but right? he wasn't supposed to play. So, yes. uh, exactly. But again, that's just a stupid mistake. Yeah. Like you need to. I think didn't they end up? Didn't they have the three points? Tie, they won yeah. that game one nothing they or drew. something, or it was a tie. They no, drew. Okay. Yeah. They, again, that's a drew. point that you know you would have had, and you don't anymore, right? Yeah. So it's. I'm just saying again, losing those big games four nothing to Napoli, losing that four or four one to Atlanta, four nothing to Napoli. That's like that's what's going to stop them from moving on. Sorry, Chris. No, no, go ahead. That, that was a that was a good point. I was going to eventually touch on that, but yeah, that could be the, a point that make that decides whether they qualify for Europe or not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I just want to point out their next, you know, three or four games, and they're all winnable games. Maybe so. For example, uh, 
So they face uh, Cagliari, so Eusebio Di Francesco, former coach, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, they play Sampdoria again with another former coach, Ranieri, uh, after New Year's. And then on the 6th, they play Crotone. And then, as Julian mentioned, uh, they play Inter on the 10th. So, again, they could easily win all those three games. Maybe Sampdoria can give them a bit of a challenge. I think uh, I, they should beat Cagliari on Wednesday. Uh, you know, De Francesco's teams are normally uh, very susceptible defensively, and especially the way Roma have been scoring against those mid-table teams. They should come out with that win. So maybe, again, six points out of nine, and then they and then that sets up a, a crucial game against Inter. So, yeah. Uh, Maybe that game against Inter could seal their fate when it comes to the table, but at least they'll um, they can pick up uh, you know the the points against the, the smaller clubs and and to me that's half the battle as as we talked about Juventus uh, before uh, dropping points against Crotone and Benevento may cost them at the yep. end of the season. Okay. Any other Julian? Do you want to say anything um, about Roma before we I'll go just say to quickly, Napoli? To be honest, I didn't have them in my top four. I still don't. I don't think their defense is good enough. That's kind of all I'm going to say. I think they made some good signings with Pikatarian, with Pedro. I think Spinazzola's done very well so far this year. Um, but defensively, I don't think it's good enough. Right. Uh, uh, okay, one, one more point. The gentleman, glad you even mentioned Mikatarian. Again, I read on Roma Twitter. Uh, Mikatarian was signed uh, on a Bosman and Arsenal might get relegated this season. So I just wanted to point out for our uh, English... And just quickly, for everyone, Bosman is essentially a free transfer for all intents and purposes. And just for everyone, um, a free transfer (laughs) is something typically that Juventus does. Uh, That's how they they sign aging players. Actually, sometimes they, they sign Paul Pogba for close to zero, and then they sell him for $100 million. But uh, hey, we'll get into Paul Pogba. Yeah. Back to the club <laughs> that right. they signed. Hey, this guy might be going back and forth. What the hell? Anyways. Um, okay, let's again, uh, I, I don't want to spend too much time. We we spent already too much time on yeah. Milan Inter and Juve. Of course we fucking did. Uh, let's go to Napoli. So Napoli, fifth place. After 13 games played, they've won eight. Um, they've drawn none and they've lost five. So they have 23 points after 13 match days. Remember, one of those is a loss uh, by virtue of not showing up uh, because of COVID. Um, but again, they sit, uh, what is that, seven, eight points behind Milan. So what do we think of Napoli? I mean, realistically, who, they're... Who have lost two in a row? Who have lost two in a row? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that part of it doesn't look good. I mean, realistically, though, they're in the top four right now if you know that whole Juve debacle isn't a thing. Paulo, I think you even said that, you know, at the time, you know, if that game went through, Napoli probably wins that just with, you know, Napoli's form and Juve's form. So, you know, if we, uh, because they've actually subtracted a point, right, from Napoli's total. So if we add, you know, four points, so give them back the point that was subtracted and then add three points for a win against Juve, they're uh, tied, or actually they're ahead of Juve. So they're in third right now. So I know it's it's all hearsay, but... Uh, fifth place obviously doesn't isn't where they want to be right now, but when you consider where they where they want to be, um, I don't think it's too bad. So um, you mentioned their recent form, Mike, and uh, also it didn't help that again the the red card against 
answer, which again, uh, we swear a lot on this show because we can. No fucking swear. Uh, I thought it was absolute bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was absolute bullshit. And the fact that uh, I mentioned this before on the podcast, refs in Italy are very sensitive, very again. And and it goes to that mentality in Italy where uh, they, the refs. Provincial mentality. Exactly. Yeah, beta. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> mentality. <laughs> and 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 Gattuso said it the best is that if you go to England, he played in Scotland for uh, with Rangers. Uh, they tell the refs to go fuck off all the time. Okay. Uh, and and you don't see uh, re- um, p- uh, players getting uh, sent off because they took the, the Lord's okay. name in vain. I mean, but it, it is, but yeah, that's, again, ahead, product Mike. of where they're playing. Like it's the same thing as, you know, they can do that in England where in Italy they can draw fucking bullshit fouls and get away with it. There's no card for diving simulation, et cetera, because that's the strategic game that's in Italy. Right. So that being said, again, they can swear like sailors in England but you can't do that here. That's just what that culture is uh, on the pitch. I don't think it's, I, I think it's stupid personally, but uh, it's, that would explain that. It's not, you know, y- you grow up in that. You, you are playing in that. You have to acknowledge that those are the rules, et cetera. Like, just don't complain. Just like Napoli, it would make sense for Napoli to complain when they've done something wrong uh, and they can't, uh, you know, they can't help but blame other people. Well, it's your fault. You lost five games. You haven't. You didn't draw any of those games. You lost the game against Juventus. Okay, I understand that because it was you know stupid, etc. But you lost against Sassuolo. You lost against Milan. You lost against Inter, and you lost against Lazio. Those are the teams that you need to beat if you're going to be winning this championship or drawing at least to steal a point. Uh, and Mike, you're right. And I know I'm right. Especially the game <laughs> against Lazio, which. Uh, well, <laughs> sometimes, um, the game against Lazio, I, I, like I was watching that game and when you see uh, Fabian Ruiz carrying the play, uh, you know, there's a massive problem because again, they didn't, they didn't properly replace, I don't know if they can replace, uh, Mertens who's out what until the, at least until the new year with an ankle injury, uh, and seeing his coming back next game, maybe that's their saving grace to kind of turn things around. But again, missing, missing Insigne and Mertens shouldn't be an excuse, uh, especially again a bit with a piss poor performance against Lazio, who were under pressure because they haven't won in, uh, before. I told my Lazio um, buddy before right, that game before that they were winning that one. I think no Mertens, no Insigne, no Osman. <laughs> they, yeah, I didn't have them finishing top four in the beginning because they said they no didn't chance. have depth. I was talking more of their midfields, um, but I mean those are three major injuries, right? And if Osman and Mertens are out for even another month, I think that's going to, it'll hurt. Yeah. Be killer. For sure. Uh, uh, I know we're not talking about Couch and right now, but like, do you bring back Milik into the squad? Uh, if that's the case, if you're missing, you know, if you're missing Mertens, I mean, I know Lorente, <laughs> I mean, what the fuck is Lorente going to do? Like yeah, no, no, I, I don't think, think you signed you, somebody I don't think to be honest. Will. Yeah, well, I yeah, guess the question I, goes I truly to the... don't think they will. Yeah. 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 I think you, you look for Pessy <laughs> and you sign Pessy. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, uh, Chris, what do you think since uh, you're the, uh, the uh, manager? Yeah, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't Pessy be good? Pessy would be amazing. <laughs> do we need to define who Pessy is so everybody doesn't think I'm going crazy? No. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll leave it open-ended. You guys figure it out. Yes. I <laughs> know uh, it'll be a, it'll be another test for Gattuso. I'm sure. I, I would hope he you know learned something from his his experience at uh, Milan and you know cough cough Palermo. But uh, no, I mean and Rangers. And, uh, it, uh, he Rangers? played at Rangers. Celtic. Did he manage there? Celtic. He's a Celtic. He was somewhere. I don't know where the fuck he, he played was. at Rangers. He managed at Pisa. Pisa? No. no, he was somewhere else. He was somewhere yeah. in. Um... That's what it was. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think Napoli will have to make do something in the transfer window. Um, you know, they don't have a huge budget, obviously, but something has to be done for sure, just to address the squad depth, like Julian mentioned. Sion, I'm thinking of Sion. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, okay, one more point before we move on. So, because of those two straight losses, Napoli are going into a retiro uh, mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. There you go. Okay, let's uh, move on to <laughs> Sassuolo. Um, so Sassuolo in sixth place uh, after 13 games played. They have six wins, uh, five draws, and two losses with uh, 23 points. So uh, what do we think of Sassuolo's position here? Let's go Julian. Um, I think this is like... The best, I don't say the best they could hope for, but I realistically think they should be aiming for that Europa League spot, that 6-7 spot. Um, I think they've got a decent enough team, but they've only managed one win in their past five. However, saying that, they've played Inter, Roma, um, and Milan. So it's been a bit of a tougher goal for them, but I think that 6-7 spot should be what they're aiming for. Yeah, I, I can understand that too. I think they are probably the team that benefited the most from this wonky schedule of, you know, everything's happening all at once. Um, but that being said, I think it's, it again, just with the way that everyone else has had to play and, you know, there's there's a lot of changes happening at other other clubs. This is, this is Sassuolo, I think, at their peak. I don't, think, I don't know that they can go higher. It was nice to see them in second. I just don't know how sustainable something like that would have been. This is definitely the most challenging part of their schedule, right? So it's it'd be interesting to see if they can, again, in the reverse fixtures of all these, what they can do. If they can steal points from these top teams, great. I think they still finish probably around six. So, uh, Julian, you mentioned uh, they played uh, Milan, Inter, and Roma, and that tough schedule is not uh, is not over yet. So on Wednesday, they play uh, Sampdoria, and then after New Year's, it's Atalanta then Genoa, and then Juventus. So again, they're playing another uh, another two teams in the top half of the table, and most likely, all things being considered, most likely losses, and perhaps against, um, it could be another, another four points like they did against Benevento and Fiorentina. So if they keep picking up, you know, four points out of, uh, you know, or five points out of 15, uh, I think that's enough to maintain that Europa League, uh, Europa League uh, position. And uh, one more point is that if they, if they do qualify for the Europa League, and the last time they did that was under Di Francesco, I think it's a vindication of uh, De Zerbi's um, managerial career so far. 
Uh, I know Chris uh, uh, would love to speak to more to that, and you know, especially after rough stints at Palermo and Benevento. So for me, yeah, after you know Atalanta and Gasparini, Sassuolo are my favorite team to watch, just in terms of teams that are fun and you know inventive and creative and so on and so forth. What would be a real you know initiative for the Sassuolo board is if in January they actually go and buy someone. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, a major transfer, obviously, but somebody that shows their that their intentions are to qualify for Europe, and that, you know, any, you know, anything less than that is is a disappointment because then that will, you know, all of a sudden lump them in with, you know, a Roma or maybe even Lazio, who I don't think will finish in the top four. So uh, I know they don't have again the budget of those traditional top seven clubs, but they have, you know, a lot of talent on the roster currently, and they just need you know, a, a bit of depth to kind of help them along their, you know, European journey, if we can call it that. Yeah, that's a good point because, again, where they're sitting currently, they're above Atlanta and Lazio. Yeah. So is this something, again, that is, can be sustainable for them? Like, it's, it's definitely, it's all to see, obviously, in the second half. Uh, I think those, they're, they're great first, like, they're a great start to the season this year is what put them in this position so far. Obviously, they've fallen since then. They've fallen from second because they were undefeated for a while and they've had a rocky five games. But that's it. If they can, all they need to do now is kind of hold Atlanta and Lazio. So they, they need to fight those games that, you know, they know that, you know, against Atlanta, whenever those are, or Lazio, et cetera, like that's, they, they, if they can hold that, then they're, they're a golden. So, uh, Mike, I just mentioned that they play Atalanta after the New Year's. There you go. Yeah. I wasn't listening. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think for them as well, getting Caputo healthy will help. Um, I know mm-hmm. he's kind of missed the past four or five games, and they've only scored three goals in their past five. So they need to turn that around. And I think with him kind of being back as focal point, he had 21 goals last year. I think they desperately need, need him back. Right. Okay, let's uh, let's keep it going here. Uh, let's pivot to seventh place Atalanta. So twelve matches played because they had, I think it's a game against Udinese that was uh, postponed. Yeah. Um, so they, after twelve matches, they have six wins, three draws, and three losses for twenty-one points, uh, and that sees them in seventh place. So here's my description of Atalanta. Hold on here. Sometimes maybe good. Sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> That's so far this season. That's kind of how I would classify Atlanta. It's very accurate. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think you, we're, we're seeing it in Europe too, right? Where some, you know, fantastic matches and then there was that, you know, 5 0 loss to Liverpool. And I know people will say, oh, you know, Liverpool has, you know, 10 times the budget and they do, but that's not, you know, Atlanta's expectation. They didn't get to where they are because they lost games like that. So it's just been very inconsistent. We all know the Papu Gomez saga has begun, and we'll see how long that lasts and where it ends. But they need to find that consistency. And you know, if Gomez does go, I think it's very important that they try and bring a player in. Obviously, you can't replace a player of his stature and his experience. But you know, I think it's important that they do bring somebody else in to try and replace what he does in the pitch for them. Okay, so I, I got to jump in because uh, Chris is talking about Calcio Mercato. So there is someone who they brought in from the Belgian League. I uh, cannot pronounce his name. And 
we'll get into that uh, next week when we start up the silly season again. But again, to, uh, to your point, Chris, uh, that's exactly what they're doing, and they're most likely will replace uh, Papu Gomez. And um, even though, even though Gasparini probably was the cause of the whole bust up, most likely because again, a, um, a lot of people don't like uh, his character. Um, but I do commend the fact that he's able to manage this squad. Regardless of the fact that you know they had a, um, a, a the, he fell out with his with his captain, you know uh, I talked about earlier uh, when we talked about events how Papu Gomez came on and literally rescued the draw for uh, for Atalanta, uh, uh, and then against Roma uh, he put on Ilicic after they were losing one nothing at halftime and literally turned the game around. And these were the two players that were involved in that halftime bust up. At Midland. So, I mean, so for me, that just shows the worth that Gasparini has at this club and uh, that he's a fundamental reason why uh, Atalanta are doing so well in general. Yes. Yes. Um, I will say this. I think if, again, if that game with Udinese was played, I think that's probably a win for them, especially considering where Udinese were at that time when that was supposed to be played. Uh, And that would have put them, again, around fourth or fifth. Um, That makes sense to me. They are a little unlucky to be in seventh at the moment. But, um, you know, again. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe (laughs) shit. That's just, again, the story of Atlanta this season, I think. That's Chris, what do you think? Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> the Gattuso quote, like I said, is spot on. And they're, you know, they got Madrid in the next round of Champions League. And, you know, you can never count Atalanta out because we saw what they did in Europe last year. But, you know, realistically, over two legs, they, they lose. And then they're able to focus on Serie A again, which, you know, could very likely lead to very likely lead to them finishing in the top four again if they kind of resurrect their season once the Gomez saga comes to a conclusion. Right. Well, uh, Chris, you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, uh, in in Europe last season, but also in this season as well. You know, they they beat uh, Liverpool at home after getting, uh, you know, shit pumped by nothing uh, in Bergamo. So for me, uh, even, even this season, they did something uh, incredible, uh, in in my opinion. Julian, last word. I mean, I'm probably the only one into this group siding with Papu because I don't care for Gasparini because of the time with Inter. I, I was going to ask um, actually if the only people shit in Gasparini are Inter fans, but uh, <laughs> Inter Merida. Yes, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so I will be interested to see once Papu leaves because he said when he leaves, the whole story would come out. So I am really interested to see the whole story. It's, it's um, going to be something I mean, stupid. It's going to be something stupid like, Gasparini told me to stop standing when I wanted to stand and talk to the group. Fuck you, Papu. I don't know. Wanda. You guys are also used to sending your legendary players off to India to retire. So <laughs> Australia. He knows about that. Australia. And you too. <laughs> your team too. <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, he retired as an answer. Uh, in, in India? Yeah. Madrazi, yeah, but Zanetti's our legend. Let's say comparing. Actually, I don't know who Matarazzi would compete with. Let's say Marquisio. Marquisio went to Russia. Yeah, he blew out his knee twice. <laughs> no excuse. 
Anyway, we'll talk more about this next week because of, uh, because of the silly <laughs> season segment. But again, I I I I don't understand how that ha- like how that bust up happened. For me, I think I mentioned it last week it was probably due to um, Papu Gomez uh, uh, returning back into the international fold, playing more games. Gasparini probably wanted to play him less. Uh, uh, changes uh, changes position uh, tactically and and not allow him to drop as much and to, you know, kind of preserve him. And he probably took offense to that and, and, and made a, a decision, a rash decision, which every single one of us have, have made in our lives before. I mean, you know, only someone who is perfect cannot, can say that, Oh, I haven't, haven't made a terrible decision. I mean, uh, I, he probably regrets it. And that's why he, he made up some sort of, you know, bullshit post. Uh, you know, with his wife uh, quoting Socrates, which again is not the most uh, greatest fucking uh, philosopher to quote as well. Yeah, I think uh, he was also not not that bad of a soccer player himself, right, Socrates? Yeah, Doctor Socrates. Yes. Okay, let's uh, let's move on from Atlanta again. I, I think just to wrap it up on them. Six wins, three losses, and three draws is in horrible. We expect more from them. We have to acknowledge that they made it through uh, to the knockouts of Champions League, uh, and they're not terribly far behind, you know, like a Roma or Napoli. So I think they still have a chance to jump up here. Let's see what happens. I think I would give them the benefit of the doubt. If Papa leaves, that's going to be a huge blow. Let's go to Lazio. 13 matches played. They're in eighth place. Um, six wins, three draws, and four losses for 21 points as well. Uh, what do we think of Lazio's position? Okay, I have to start off with this one because I've been uh, <laughs> ragging on. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I've been ragging on Lazio for the past few weeks because of the fact that uh, they've been playing uh, poorly against uh, you know smaller clubs. And you know, for example, I always go back to the game against Betsia. Uh, you know they they sat back and allowed Spezia to kind of uh, take the play, uh, and then you know uh, pounced on Spezia's lack of inexperience in Syria. But I do have to give them credit; uh, they they did beat a decimated Napoli team to save Inzaghi's job in the interim. Uh, but again, um, allowed it was the same story in the game against Benevento uh, in uh, in midweek where. They allowed Benevento to kind of get in, grow into the game, even though uh, they took an early lead. And it was only by the skin, again, the skin of their teeth, because Benevento, I think Scacciarella uh, got, uh, picked up a stupid red card after he slid in uh, hard on a player. And it was the only reason why, uh, you know, they rescued out that draw. Uh, for me, uh, I mentioned uh, the Milan game um, on Wednesday. For me, if Nzagi does not win that game, uh, Lotito probably again once again looks at uh Inzaghi's job security and says uh do we do we do we fire him at the end of the season cuz again firing him now does not make any sense but maybe at the end of the season they they start looking at at making a change Chris I I just okay, well, Julian, no no go ahead, ahead. Go ahead I'm Julian. just going to say I 100% disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, their league is... No, no, Julian, tell them. No, say, but they don't. Julian, say, fuck you, Paulo. I won't go that far. No. They're <laughs> standing in the league, obviously, is what they'd hoped right now. But, I mean, they advanced out of their Champions League group, which was a fairly difficult group. 
Um, I mean, they beat Dortmund. They had the tiebreaker over Dortmund, actually, I think. So, yeah, obviously their team is stretched a little bit thin. They're not built like a Juve or, hell, like an Inter didn't even get out of their fucking group. Um, but Wait, what happened still, I think they didn't get out of the group, Michael. We've been over this. What? Um, but still, I think getting out of their group for Lazio was a win. Has it come at a price in the league? A little bit, for sure. Um, but I still think they're skilled enough. I still think they'll turn it around. Whether or not they'll hit that top four mark is up in the air, but I think they'll still be in it till the end. Yeah. I was going to ask something similar of Chris. Uh, again, like, do you agree with Paulo in the sense that that security, I mean, clearly there were rumblings here. And, and again, the league obviously has a lot to do with that because they, they sit in eighth place. But again, passing through the knockouts in Champions League, that's some cash for them too, right? So that's not necessarily a loss season yet. I think they, he definitely has an uphill battle. But if he does leave, I think, Paulo, you're right. It's probably going to be towards the end of the season. But Chris, do you think that's going to be likely? Yeah, well, a... A firing now would be idiotic, and mainly because uh, they're not in a terrible place in the league table. I know eighth is not where they want to be, but you know, if, if we look at the table, they're two points back of Napoli, or sorry, three points back of Roma, who's in fourth. So mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. Winning, you know, going through in Champions League is obviously a huge cash grab there. But going back to Inzaghi, I, I can't see him being sacked mainly because there's nobody you can bring in tomorrow. That, mm-hmm. in my opinion, that's going to be at the level that Lazio is looking for. Like, realistically, if you sack Inzaghi, you're bringing, like, Yakini back in or, like, Maran. Like, you're going through one of those coaches that just kind of rides the Serie A coaching carousel. And I don't think Lazio wants to get involved in that coaching carousel. You want to bring somebody in that's going to bring stability to the club. And, and Zaghi's brought that. So I think you have to give him more slack. Um, and, yeah, if you do sack him, it's at the end of the season. Yeah, and I just want to point out too, like the the games that, <laughs> again, there were four losses, so that's not great because you know you're losing to Hell's Verona, which are, are we'll talk about next, but Udinese, uh, Samp, and Atlanta, right? Those are teams that again you want to be ahead of, so you need to take those points when you can. But draws against Inter, draws against Juventus are huge because again those are the games that they did end up stealing those points from, right? Especially that that uh, that Juventus one, which was the last minute goal. So right. that is those are important points, and I think that Inzaghi's culture played a lot. Um, you know, when when they were having that success, people were lauding them, including us here. Right? We were saying, you know, it's good for them that they've managed to do this. I think that needs to carry forward. He needs to have a, he has a little bit more slack than I think Paul is letting on, but. At the same time, if they fall further from this, from eighth, if they let Verona catch them, if they pass them, and, and they're looking at like 11th and then they can't qualify for Europe next year, then that's an issue. That's fair. Well, I, 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 the reason why I brought up Inzaghi, it was the fact that, as you, as you Mike, you pointed to, that there was rumors that uh, Lazio, uh, sorry, the games against Napoli and Milan uh, were important to Inzaghi's job security. That's why I brought it up. And he, he uh, regard, granted, he won against Napoli. Uh, perhaps that, you know, grant him some of a reprieve. But again, if they, 
if they want Europe as a fundamental target in, in the league, they have to beat Milan, especially a Milan who's uh, midfield three, as we already decimated. pointed out, will be cl- decimated. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, here's an opportunity to pick off points from someone in the top four. Yeah, true. Okay, let's, uh, let's keep it going here. Let's jump into ninth position here. So, it's uh, Hellas Verona in ninth. After 13 matches, they are five, five, and three. So, five wins, five draws, three losses, 20 points. Uh, so, this kind of rounds out that uh, the top nine, again, are not... I mean, nine to one is a little bit of a difference. It's 11 points. But again, from nine to fourth is four points. So that's not a, a massive uh, jump by any means. So where do we, how do we see Hell's Rona season going so far? Julian, do you want to go first? Julian's I the will, biggest fan. Julian's the Ivan yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. He's president of the Biggest Ivan Verona Udich fan? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have two Inter players on loan as well. Um I mean, similar to Sassuolo, I think they're aiming for that Europa League spot as well. Um, now, Juric has done a fantastic job. I think they have one of the best defenses in the league. Um, I mean, they lost Kumbula, they lost Amrabat. You figured they would have been bottom half of the table, but Zakanyi and Lovato have seemed to fill those roles no problem. Um, and I know, like, even Inter has to play them this week, and it's not looked at as an easy game. Like, Inter Twitter's a little bit worried saying this could be a game that ends in a draw. I don't think they're expecting a Verona win, but mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be a, probably another scrappy game, for sure. Yeah, to that point, too, they're, um, they have 12 goals against, and that's second to Juventus at 10. So you're right, they, they do yeah. have a, a great defense so far. Yeah, two two players I want to point to, and I mean, obviously, Udic de- deserves a lot of the credit. But in the you know, I think I've watched four, maybe five Verona games, but Sakanyi has really impressed me. And even in the games he didn't score, and he's able to, you know, influence the game. And then uh, Lovato is the other you know player that caught my attention. And um, I don't know how much he played last year. Um, but anyways, he's caught. I don't think I need to be on. Yeah, I was gonna say Kumbula obviously got a lot of the attention there last year, but he's been playing well, and I, I refer to I referred to him, you know, in a previous episode as a soldier in terms of just how he defends, just keeps coming and coming, and one of those players that I'm sure strikers hate going up against him just because he's relentless. So, you know, Juric obviously is able to identify you know young players and kind of groom them to play at a high level, and he's reaping the rewards right now. Yeah, so he, he played eight minutes last year. <laughs> okay, explains why I don't, I don't remember him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Paulo? Uh, so I just wanted to point out that, again, you guys mentioned it, uh, that he's able to, Juric is able to, you know, pick, pick players, uh, plug them in to replace, um, you know, important players that left, as you, as you all said. I don't need to re- repeat it. But, uh, you know, they're right now they're kind of, uh, well, they lost against Sampdoria, which we'll get into next. But the thing is, is that what I find is they, they, they should aim for, for Europe. And, uh, you know, for me as, uh, as long, uh, they're the biggest surprised with Milan being at the top of the table. That's, that's my, uh, opinion on, uh, Verona. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I was actually going to say something similar. So, Thanks, Paulo, for stealing my. Uh... <laughs> but um, 
I will say again. Okay, great minds. Uh, all right. Okay, fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Um, sitting at five wins, uh, last season they had 12 wins. Uh, so they're clearly on the right path here. I think that's, again, Paulo, I think Europe is not out of the question, but again, they need to be able to um, to climb that, you know, the extra, the difference here between um, Roma at 24 points uh, and them at, at 20 points is again, a couple more wins. So if instead of drawing, um, you know, Fiorentina, for example, you win that game, which was a bullshit game, by the well, way, well, there you go. If instead of drawing that yeah. though, like winning that game or, or beating Genoa who were all slowly Genoa, right. Those are, Though that's the difference, whereas uh, Roma, you know, tied Milan and, and tied Juventus, right? Those those are the things that are, I think actually Hellas also tied Juventus. But again, the, uh, what I'm saying is that, and Milan, but what I'm saying is that those are the other games that you need to draw that victory from. Well, I mean, as Julie mentioned, they play uh, Inter on Wednesday, but after uh, Wednesday, the next uh, four games are very favorable. Uh, Spezia after New Year's, uh, Torino, uh, 6th of January, Crotone on the 10th, and Bologna 16th. So, go. Mike, you're talking about uh, an extra few wins. You know, they could pick up, easily pick up two, maybe three wins in that in, in that stretch of yeah. games. And that, again, that's going to do wonders for them because let's see where Sassuolo ends up after the same amount of time, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is that it for Verona, guys? Yeah. I think yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Let's uh, move on to title um, contender Sampdoria at number 10. Uh, <laughs> after 13 games, 5, 2, and 6. Five wins, two draws, six losses, 17 points. Uh, what do we think of their season so far? Okay, so I'll start since I, I praised Rainier at the beginning of the season. Idiot. So you cursed him. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but I have to commend the fact that the way that they turned the season, or well, turn part of the season around, right? Uh, you can you knew right away that they were struggling uh, around November. Yeah, the month of November, they, they were really poor. But as soon as it... And I give I give full credit to Ranieri for this. He benched Kondreva, as Julian, you might want to comment <laughs> afterwards. He benched Kondreva, and all of a sudden, uh, they went too straight. For me, the man... The, the guy is a legend of the game. His man management skills is second to none. Uh, and that which was which we saw uh, during the title run, uh, title winning season at Leicester, he was able to uh, command respect of the group. And to me, if they pick up uh, a, another center back, I think they will be able to um, make a run for Europe at a minimum. I was hoping for more because I wanted to see another fairy tale season for McNary because the man is a legend. But at a minimum, I think they can challenge for Europe. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think. A top half finish is probably their best bet. I don't see them challenging for that six, seven spot. Um, and then, yeah, just to touch on Kendreva, I know I, among other Inter fans, were worried because their obligation to buy kicks in as soon as they get their first point in February or onwards, <laughs> I guess. So a lot of Inter fans were worried when he was kind of excluded from the squad that he would actually be coming back to enter in January, but he seems to have been reintegrated in the squad. So that what, be what is that more. clause as they get a point in February? 
basically at a first point after the January transfer market and turns into an obligation to buy. That's quite funny. Just, just quick. <laughs> well, and and again, sorry, sorry, Chris. Uh, to give again, to give Ranieri credit, he he puts on Kondreva in the game against Crotone and actually also bench Quadrella, who was also wasn't uh, playing well in in their uh, uh, poor run of form. And Quagrera uh, uh, comes off the bench, scores two, and Kondreva assists Quagrera's uh, second goal. To me, uh, that's a that's a masterclass of a of a managerial uh, change. And I'll, I'll, I'll let Chris, uh, you know, finish yeah, off. Yeah, no, I, I think he definitely deserves credit for you know you know benching you know so to speak you know the club captain and then Kondreva, who's obviously a Serie you know veteran. Uh, but I would say, and I agree with Julian, I don't see Sam challenging for a Europa League spot at the end of the day. I'm sure that's Ranieri's and the club's goal. But I think when you consider, you know, we have, you know, Lazio and Verona and, you know, probably Roma who are going to finish in those spots. Um, I can't see Sam pushing them out of the way, but I would love for them to to challenge for it and make it interesting. Yeah, I think to that point, Chris, like it's just such a knife fight at, you know, again, from four to nine to throw in more teams in there is tough. I don't want to say no though. Cause again, it's not like they're, you know, Fiorentina who have a, you know, all the way in 16th with 11 points, right? Like they're not that far out of it. If they can put something together here, if they can, you know, maybe alter this juju that they've had here with, uh, with Kendreva, et cetera, and they can get back to uh, pre Paulo um, levels. Yeah. <laughs> pre Paulo curse levels, the curse of Paulo Mangoni. Um, he, it's not impossible, <laughs> but it's going to be unlikely again, just because, of the, uh, like I said, the knife fight that's above them. Listen, I thought they were screwed over against the game against Milan. Um, okay. Number one, you uh, think everybody who plays Milan gets screwed over, though? Well, they they do. Uh, well, you look have you seen eight fucking ha- titles? Have Sam you seen four points for uh, that game? If you ask Paulo. <laughs> have you seen the uh, bags of money that were at the touchline? I saw them. Follow? <laughs> yeah, of course you saw them. And just, you know, they were dropped off in the bar room. Right. From Young Hong Lee, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, getting back to the same story. They play Sassuolo on Wednesday, which, you know, uh, uh, considering Sassuolo's run of form, uh, is a game that, you know, they they, they could win. Uh, they play Roma after New Year's, and then they play Inter, and then Spezia. So again, potentially they could win two of those four games. Maybe steal a point from Roma. Uh, it, it depends. I mean, it, that's a very tough run of games. But again, if they beat Sassuolo, I would consider them uh, in 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 the chase for Europe. Okay, Chris, did you have anything to add? No, no, that was it for me. Okay, good. Let's. Uh, why don't we? Let's do this. That was one to ten. Why don't we take a quick break, um, and then when we come back, we'll we'll go. Uh, I promise we'll be a little bit quicker. We'll go through eleven through twenty, um, and uh, yeah, I think that'll kind of uh, Paula. We'll see. We'll see what we have time for at the end of the show too. Just because again, I know we we went super long on on the earlier ones, but maybe we'll uh, we'll still have your city every minute. But we'll see. We'll see when we get there. Okay. So we're, we'll right now we'll take a, a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Thank you. 
Rated This Way is brought to you by Bapu's Cucina Italiana, located in the heart of Manatic. A family-owned and operated Italian restaurant, the perfect spot for a romantic dinner for two or for groups to celebrate special events. For more information, visit babuscucina.ca. Hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey, jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey, la 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 let's get back into the show uh so we left off after samp in 10th place we're going to go through 11 through 20 um and uh like i said before the break we're actually probably not going to have time for the winter solstice uh, extravaganza uh unfortunately but we'll do that next week uh which will be uh we'll make a whole fun game out of it i guess uh paulo you're in charge of that okay yeah, no problem. Okay, um, so let's uh, let's jump right into eleventh Udinese. So twelve matches played, they uh, they sit in eleventh with four wins, three draws, and five losses. So that leaves them at fifteen points, and again, just smack dab in the middle of the table. How do we how do we think? What do we think of Udinese at this point? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll start it off. I thought that they would be in relegation trouble, especially with the, uh, with their start to the season. I mean, they were winless for, uh, I think, the first four or five games, and they managed to turn around. So credit to uh, Luca Gotti. Uh, and, and for me, uh, I've, said it, I've said it this entire season so far, that they're dependent on Rodrigo De Paul. I, I, I saw a couple of games uh, so far, and... Uh, the, when DePaul has been uh, uh, firing on all cylinders, Udinese have been pulling out the wins that they needed to, uh, especially against the Lazio. And I believe it was uh, Sampdoria, but I may be mistaken. But a credit to, to like I said, credit to Luca Gotti to uh, turning around a poor start to the season. What I would add to, and yeah, I mean, Rodrigo DePaul was obviously instrumental for them, but uh, late transfers that came in were uh, Roberto Pereira, who was obviously a former Udinese player and was coming over from Watford, and then Gerard Delefeo. So I think the two of them, they came over late, so it was obviously going to take some time for them to kind of get integrated with the group tactically and whatnot, but they're playing a lot of minutes and they're they're affecting the squad in a positive way. So I think it was just a matter of time before Udinese kind of hit their stride, and I would expect them to finish right around where they are right now. Sorry, I said uh, I said Sampdoria, but I meant to say Torino. Yeah. Um, I think, Paul, to your point, too, again, they're just, again, the start to their season was uh, a little abysmal, but they've started to pick it up, and their last five games have been pretty solid, right? Like, they have, uh, what is it, three wins and I think three draws out of those last six, even. So it's uh, obviously, again, if you if you're on a run of of taking points, that's going to be huge just to kind of help yourselves get away from their relegation battle. Right. And I think that's the difference this year between them and Fiorentina. 100%. I mean, uh, again, they didn't, it, it seemed likely that, that Gotti was going to get fired, especially when they went winless for the first three games. Uh, so uh, so again, I already like I said before, kudos for turning around, and that's the difference with, with as you said, Mike, with Fiorentina, is that um, 
Gotti actually changed uh, mentality, went more offensive, relied more on DePaul's uh, offensive talent than Yakini, who, uh, again, we'll go get into Fiorentina a bit later, but it was, was more defensive-minded. And the same, with, same thing with now with Prandelli, who has been, you know, working out uh, draw. So at least Udinese changed around and changed it in a more of a positive manner. Yeah. I was surprised when you just said they were 11th. I didn't realize they'd climb yeah. that high. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for them. I know we said early on they were struggling to score goals, but they've kind of seemed to get over that hump a little bit. Um, so yeah, I know DePaul's kind of carrying the team, as Paulo said. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do once he's gone. So I think he's, realistically, he'll be gone. There's rumors already he's leaving in January. I don't know if Udinese will let him go then, but I think in the summer he's going to go to a bigger team. Right. Just uh, just to end too before we move on. I mean, looking at their schedule, they have Benevento, Juve, and then Bologna. So, you I mean if you ask me, you know, three games they can come away with three yeah. points, especially <laughs> that second game against Juve. <laughs> uh, Who's the real? No, ah. <laughs> exactly. They'll they'll keep chipping away at it, and you know, could they use more depth? Absolutely, but I think they're doing okay with what they have right yeah. now. Uh, I mean, uh, one more point before we move on. Like, I if they sell them in January, like then they'll they'll be right where they where they were at the start of the season, back in that relegation battle because they just sold their most influential player. I mean, yeah, that's of, why I don't think yeah. he'll be gone in January. I no. think in the summer though, he's. Agreed, because again, they can't afford to do that because they will literally be in City B, right? Like the the money that they will get for the ball will not uh, counteract that poor finish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's, uh, again, good points. Let's move on to Benevento, who are in 12th after 13 games played, four wins, three draws, six losses, also 15 points. Um, Yeah, what do we think of uh, Benevento? Well, so Paulo, I think you mentioned, you know, Verona kind of being, <clears throat> excuse me, your surprise of the season so far. Mine would have been Benevento anyways. I mean, uh, we know it was their you know, second go around after having a, a poor showing two seasons ago. Um, and so I was expecting them to do better than their first go around, but not, not this good. So hat off to, the, you know, the other Inzaghi brother, uh, which is um, uh, Pipo Inzaghi. And, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're doing well. They're working with, you know, next to zero money in terms of transfer budget. So don't expect them to bring anybody in January. And if they do, it's probably a young player on loan. So I think if they can keep up this pace, that's a, a huge success, uh, even if they drop a position or two. So I just want to point out, uh, have you noticed this season that it's, it's the teams that are looking to dominate play, uh, to dominate position, uh, possession, and when they play against the bigger clubs, looking to hit uh, quick on their uh, on their counter attack, and that's exactly uh, the style that uh, people in Zagi plays at Benevento, and and he's able to uh, you know depend on Lapadula, who has you know tremendous uh, Syria uh, experience, Imprato, who uh, in my opinion has been uh, one of their best players of the season, and and Gitano Letizzi, who also has. So yeah, experience with with smaller clubs. I think he was on Carpi, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
like so for me uh like chris like you said that um they're a surprise of the season for me i i thought benevento from the start of the season would be one of the teams that would survive out of the out of the three newly promoted teams you you forgot to mention marco yeah, sal I, <laughs> yeah <laughs> former fifa legend uh yeah no i think not uh I can't say I, I would have predicted, you know, Benevento to stay up per se, but I think to see them doing as well as they are is the surprise. I, seeing them stay up this year wouldn't be a, you know, it wouldn't blow my mind, but just to see them where they are on the table is, is what caught me off guard. For sure. And I think um, it's also quite impressive when taking into account that they lost their captain, uh, Luca Calderola. I think he tore his ACL, I believe. Um, so he only played probably the first handful of games, and then I forget which game he tore his ACL, but I think he's been out for now three or four of them. So it's a lot for them, but they've kind of managed to keep on trucking. So good on them. Uh, and Paul, you're right. He was uh, he played for Carpi earlier. Uh, that was Tizia. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I think that's uh, to both your points, uh, to, to Chris's point that it's a, kind of a surprise of the season. I think that's, again, this is good for them. I am happy to see uh, a team that, you know, newly promoted kind of doing well. That kind of reminds me of, um, I think when it, it was probably Sassuolo was coming up, you know, they kind of came in guns of blazing uh, and they, they did the same thing, right? They kind of stole points when they, where they could. They, they managed to kind of finish mid-table. Um, and then a couple up and down seasons after that, but I, I, I like I like the way Benevento, Benevento uh, has composed themselves. Um, I think the the three newer teams, obviously, they're in the best position here. But um, I think Spezia is not far behind them. But we'll talk a little bit of Spezia later. Uh, I also forgot to mention uh, Insigne's brother Roberto Insigne has been also playing very well this season. Right. He scored in the weekend, too. Excellent. Uh, okay, let's move on from Benevento. We'll go into Cagliari in 13th place after 13 games. They have won three, drawn five, and lost five for 14 points. So Cagliari at, uh, in 13th, what do we think of that? I think this is probably a disappointment for them, to be honest. Um, I mean... They brought in Godin, they have Nandez, they have Simeone. You'd think they'd probably be aiming for a top half finish. Um, so I think they'd probably be a little bit disappointed with where they're at now. Uh, I know they're still trying to bring Nangolin back from Inter, but they don't want to pay a dime for him, so I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but I feel like he was a quite a big piece to their midfield last season, and to not have him now is clearly hurting them. Yeah, I, I agree, but... What have they done, I guess, to change themselves from last year? Like I know they I know Godin came in, but they last year they finished, I think, in fourteenth. They're sitting in thirteenth now. Like what is what is different between this team that they should have done better? I think Simeone, this is probably, in my opinion, gonna be his last season in Calgary, because I, I feel like he probably want needs to move on for himself. But you know. Is that, you know, is that? Uh, okay, so, so for me, the, what they've done different is that they did hire Eusebio Di Francesco. But the thing is that he, Di Francesco, has a um, 
a characteristic that involves very inconsistent play. Uh, and, and that came from his time at Roma, not, not Sassuolo, but because, well, even also Sassuolo, but more at Roma. Uh, and that's because of defensive frailties, which uh, have been proven uh, at Calgary, even though they did draw Parma 0-0, but, uh, you know, did, did keep a couple clean sheets this season so far. But the thing is, for me, it also comes down to the fact that they also been hampered by uh, injuries at a very inopportune time. I know, Julian, you mentioned Godin. He was out for a while with COVID. I mean, uh, he was he was gone for at least a month with COVID. Uh, yeah, Mendes... they were part of that whole mm-hmm. Uruguayan. I think like the whole Uruguayan national team got hit with COVID. Yeah, and and so to that point, I, I believe Nandez is Uruguayan as well, and he was out for a while. Uh, 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 Michael, you mentioned Simeone, and um, he he's he had a good start to the season, but he's kind of petered off. And the player who's kind of stepped up was uh, Ricardo Sotil on loan from Fiorentina. Uh, I think Fiorentina must be regretting the fact that they loaned him out, but. Uh, all credit to, to, to Di Francesco and Caleri, who uh, have turned him into uh, somewhat of a starter. Uh, so uh, I'm glad to see that because I know the Fiorentina fans uh, were kind of ruining the fact that uh, he was loaned out. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Sotil because uh, just to address Mike's earlier point about you know, what did Cagliari do to improve their position, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, Mike, you said they finished 14th last year. Sure. And they're sitting in uh, 13th now. So, you know, I, you know, I also expect them to finish, you know, 13th, 14th. And going back to Sotil, you know, yes, you know, he's playing, you know, better now. He's stepping up. But Sotil's not the player that's going to take you from, you know, 13th, 14th into, you know, the top 10. There, you know, there is a reason at the end of the day that Fiorentina let him go. Uh, I, realistically, Fiorentina knew that Chiesa was going to go sooner or later and, you know, they didn't even think to keep on to Sotil as Chiesa's replacement. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's had finding success at Cagliari, but I agree with Mike. I don't think they did enough to really improve their position. And again, they're, you know, that's the size of the club they are. I don't really expect them to do much. So I think 13th is probably... Yeah. I'll have you know, in my FIFA game. 14, Cagliari had a, a transfer budget of $131 uh, million dollars. And uh, well, I'll, let you me tell you, they wouldn't. I tried. I was, <laughs> I was managing Roma. They wouldn't. <laughs> I kept wanting to leave, and uh, they wouldn't let. They wouldn't take me. Uh, I think it was just a glitch in the in the game, though. Um, not that they had. The, well, maybe they stole Marco Sal for a billion dollars. And, uh, and Barbo. Oh, oh fuck Barbo. yeah. Barbo. Yeah. Um, okay, Paul. Did you have something else you wanted to say before we move on? Uh, well, okay, so also last year as well, uh, they had Nyangolan, and most likely it will come back, uh, you know, in January, all, all things being considered. And that will, I think that will definitely give them a boost in, in midfield, uh, especially when you have a, a midfield of Nandez and Nyangolan playing together, hopefully, of all, all things, you know, right. being relative. Yeah, fair. Okay, well, just to wrap them up then, uh, again, Di Francesco, their coach, uh, he was born in Pescara in 1969. So double nice there, right, guys? 
okay, let's go to Bologna in 14th. So after 13 games played, four wins, two draws, seven losses for 14 points. So tied with Cagliari, but um, they have a worse differential. So they're minus six. So they, uh, yeah, they're in 14th. What do we think of Bologna in 14th? Uh, do you mind if I, I'll, I'll start this off? I'm actually kind of the most, my, my most disappointing team. Yeah, exactly. My most disappointing team is definitely Bologna, especially, uh, you know, they they had a, a pretty good um, finish to the to last season and finished like 11th. And they kind of regressed. I mean, they didn't bring uh, bring anyone in. Uh, they they've actually, uh, you know, they're they're starting to play their their younger players. They brought in Aaron Hickey, who's a young uh, young Scotsman. But I, I find that, um, and it, it could be it could be also down with Mahalovic. I know he, I think he's admitted that he's made, he's made a couple of mistakes, and hopefully in this retiro, which kind of seems to be turning things around. They had a bad uh, run of games, which culminated into the, with the loss with Roma. But again, kind of like Fiorentina in a sense that they're fighting for these draws. And they're and it's a long season, and they're picking up points uh, where they can. What I'll add, and yeah, I, I agree with Paulo. I think their results to date have been disappointing, um, and they do have talented young players on the roster. But I guess my worry for them is, you know, if come January clubs, you know, put forward decent offers, so that the players I'm, I'm looking at are Musa Bato. Excuse me, and I know Julian's talked highly about him in previous episodes. Um, Skov Olsen is another winger slash forward, and then uh, Shouten, uh, Shouten or Shouten. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but Paulo, I know you've spoken highly of him. So these are three of Bologna's better players. Uh, and again, if clubs come in in January and you know offer Bologna, you know, an amount that's you know hard to refuse, uh, it's going to be difficult for them to even maintain their 14th place finish. So uh, kind of worried for them because I, I would have expected them to be a bit higher in the table, at least 10th, 11th. But uh, Mihailovic has his work um, for him. Bologna have a Canadian keeper, 22-year-old uh, Sebastian Breza. So good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, he's played zero games. Um, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'll also, a uh, quick shout-out to um, the man, the legend, Rodrigo Palacio, Rat tail himself, thirty years old, thirty eight years young, I should say, uh, having a very mediocre season. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're just kind of underachieving overall. Like they have Soriano, yeah. they have Orsolini. So, I, Chris, as you said, I really like Musa Barrow, but they just kind of, I don't know, they just can't seem to grind out wins. Paulo, explain it away. Uh, no, because I just want to point out that uh, they do have uh, uh, Chris. You mentioned Skov Olsen. Uh, he's out injured. Uh, I know. I think uh, Santander blew out his knee, which uh, which I uh, saw a report that again. I keep bringing up transfer market because we're almost there. But they're looking at Roberto Inglese, which most likely is the replacement for for Santander. So maybe in January, if they do bring in uh, pieces to kind of replace. Um, ones that have been underperforming, um, i.e., Orsolini has not been performing up to his uh, to, to his expectations. He's been very inconsistent this season, which is exactly why Emmanuel Vignato has come into the lineup and uh, uh, also football manager legend as well. Uh, <laughs> I got to point that out. 
and he's actually been playing well and and making people forget that Orsolini exists. Someone should post the picture that's on uh, a picture of Emmanuel Vignato. He literally looks like he's 13 years old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Baby face. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, if that's good, let's move on to um, uh, 15th place here with Parma. Everyone's favorite cheese, Parma. Parma Parmigiano. Parma. Anyways. Parma. What? Parma ham. Parma, Parma prosciutto. Hot ham water. Parma. 15th place Parma. 13 games played. Uh, two wins, six draws, five <laughs> losses, 12 points. Parma. What's up with Parma? Yeah, I'll let the Milan I'll, just, I'll go start. quickly. Yeah, I'll go quickly. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Liverani, and I know Parma were on a you know mini run of good form there, but I'm still... I don't know. I'm still just not impressed. And again, I, I know every season's different and it's not apples to apples, but I'm comparing this version of Parma to last year's version, of course, which was managed by Daversa. And I, I just see a drop in quality and a drop in style of play and, and, and on and on and on. So uh, they're a club for me that I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, them, Spezia and Bologna are fighting for, you know, that 17th spot, you know, uh, three months from now. So, um, I know there's new ownership, right, uh, as of a couple months ago. So maybe they inject some funds into the squad in January. They should, in my opinion. But, yeah, right now it's not looking too great for them, in my opinion. Uh, Chris, I you know completely agree with the, the points that you made. Uh, I, again, we mentioned this in the pod uh, before. It was a mistake to fire Diversa. And I think, uh, you know, Parma are paying the consequences of that uh, so far this season. But I, I mean, uh, Liverani did save his job with that good, that you know, many good run of form, stealing points against both Milan clubs. Um, but I think, I think uh, the, you know, I mentioned earlier that uh, that Juventus beat a Parma team who have played three games in a week. So I think the fact that they're lacking depth as well, uh, as well as a uh, drop in quality of a manager. Which could, will probably will culminate in the fact that they'll probably stay in Syria by the skin of their teeth. But I personally, I hope Liverani does get sacked because I don't think he deserved uh, the job. I thought um, Diversa did enough to keep his job, and I guess it was a uh, a difference in uh, you know club uh, vision. Yeah, agreed, Julian. Um, I mean, Parma, they're, I don't know, I'm torn with Parma. They're a historic club. I obviously want to see them stay up, but sure. I don't know. They tied into, I don't really care for many guys on their team. Well, except um, for Gervinho. Gervinho and I had, have a soft spot for Parma oh, because he was an Inter player at one point in time. But, I mean, other than that, like, Roberto Inglese, I think, is the most overrated striker. <laughs> Every time I watch him, I <laughs> yeah. feel like he does nothing. He's just a big body. He has, I don't know. I just find he never impacts the game whatsoever. Um, I don't know. I don't want to see them get relegated, but as you said, they've obviously had a drop in quality from last year. They don't seem to be that same kind of threat that they were. I don't know. I don't yeah, I, think I, their season's going to turn around that much, if I'm being honest. 
I would agree 100%, though. I definitely don't want to see them get relegated. Just one of those kind of classic Serie A clubs. And it was, uh, it was, it was sad well, to see them go down. I think it was yeah. all the way to Serie D, right? Because they, they went bankrupt. Yeah. So, uh, and I was, you know, probably like most of us, happy to see them come back up, but just not at the level they were at last year. So for me, that means there has to be a change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't turn over the full squad and you can change your manager. Right. And I think that's where the next change needs to come. So um, one more point before Mike, we move on. Uh, you guys mentioned the new ownership and he's an American owner, uh, an avid actually follower of Syria who, you know, before buying Parma, he was a Juventus fan. And I, I, I think he has a grasp of what's going on so far. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do, if he does make a change uh, probably after January. Yeah, maybe. Um, okay, well, just before we move on, what one player you think is on Parma is having a good season? Uh, I'll start. Yeah? I'll say, I'll say Jovino for sure. Yeah. They've missed him, I guess, when he hasn't been able to. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, remember he was he was gone for the for, for for a bit, right, at the beginning of the season, if I'm not mistaken. And as soon as he came back to the lineup, uh, it was actually that game against Inter where yeah. kind of their season did turn yeah, I can, around. I can believe that. I'll I'll go with um, Kuchka, who goes by Kuko on the back of his jersey. I'll uh, I'll say Hernani. He's one of their other midfielders, and he kind of isn't the obviously the biggest name out there, but he always kind of seems to be involved in their goals. No, that, that's good. Uh, I'm good gonna go one. with Seppe. <laughs> Man, he's been absolutely atrocious. So I don't know why. <laughs> Move on. Um... Okay, let's. Uh, this is this is an interesting position here. So, 16th position is Fiorentina. Um, after 13 games played, two wins, five draws, six losses, 11 points. So, this isn't uh, Giuseppe Rossi's Fiorentina. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure? <laughs> he could probably start on this team. <laughs> so, contrary to Parma, this is a team I actually wouldn't mind to see get relegated. Um, I know they're still kind of historic, but like, come on, you go from Yakiti to Prendelli and you expect much to change. Like, that's kind of your own fault. I don't know. Yeah, no, sorry. I definitely don't want to see them get relegated, but I do think a 17th place scare is kind of what's needed to mm-hmm. just revisit their plan because they're. They've got a fairly young squad. I mean, I know they have guys like Valero and uh, who the hell else is old there? Ribery. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, Franck. Uh, Caceres is, you know, I think just above 30. So, But they do have some talented young players. I do like Pulgar, uh, Amrabat's there, Castrovili, uh, Kutrone, Kwame, you know, Vlaovic has potential, so on and so forth. So there are some decent pieces there. I think they need to just reevaluate. But I think a 17th place scare will be enough to... <laughs> make Comiso shit his pants a little bit and just make sure he knows what he's doing. And part of that means getting rid of Prandelli and bringing in somebody who, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you need somebody that's going to come in and bring some stability. Okay. So um, I agree with the point with uh, Chris's point about uh, making 
Camiso rethink. Uh, I, I mean, keeping keeping Yakini after last season was a mistake. Uh, I believe that they should have went out and found a new manager uh, to start the season, uh, especially with uh, I know I remember reading that Sari was linked to Fiorentina. I mean, if they would have convinced them to kind of uh, you know take a, a small pay cut from what he was making. At, uh, at Juventus, but it's understandable why he wouldn't want to leave, uh, leave his Juventus contract for obvious reasons. But the thing is, is that they they started with Yukini, paid the price with his defensive uh, Serie B style Caltrill, hired Prendelli, who was imagined to bring this revolution of uh, you know more positive style of play. But the thing is, is that. He said it himself, and I'm glad, kind of glad that he did say it for the sake of Fiorentina fans, is that they are in a regu- re- relegation battles, and even champions get relegated. And that's a very important thing to say, because it's it's, for me, it's a wake-up call to Frank Ribery, who has probably never been in this position in his career, most likely. Uh, and, and I find that he's actually upped his game, because as a 38, 37, 38-year-old, he actually ran the most... Uh, in in their last game, I believe it was against. Tell me how Chris was against the Swallow. Uh, no, because the Swallow's last game was Milan. Milan. Uh, who they play last? I can't remember now. There's uh, been so many uh, damn games. Oh, Verona. That's yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Before yeah, before he got subbed off, um, the, the commentator said that he's actually ran the second most on the team, which is very impressive for a for a set of a man of his age, and. Um, Another player that stepped up is Vlaovic. I know we mentioned before that he wasn't uh, performing as well, but this uh, you know run of three straight draws have have come down to Vlaovic scoring goals again. So I think uh, if Fiorentina do turn their season around, it'll come down to Vlaovic and most likely replacing Kwame, who I think has been a massive Julie. bust. Yeah, he uh, kind of has. I go ahead. Yeah. I agree with Kwame. Like, I was really high on him. He was honestly quite good when he was with Genoa. Him and Piontek were, I mean, scoring at will. Um, but, I mean, he did tear his ACL before moving to Fiorentina, so maybe that is still an issue. Who knows? Sometimes players never fully recover. Um, but, yeah, I agree. They do need to turn it around a little bit. They do have a young team, so you hope it's still possible. But, I don't know. They've just been frustrating as of late. But with yeah, Julian, part of, sorry, sorry, Chris, well, just one point. Um, yeah. I, I kind of agree with you, Julian, that I don't think Syria fans will shed any tears if Fiorentina do get relegated. Go ahead, Chris. No. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, if, if I was a Fiorentina fan and you realistically you're not going to challenge for a European spot this year, as you said, Paulo, it's it probably going to come down to a relegation battle. You want to find out what you have, like, what, what are your players made of? So, Three of their, you know, young players, talented young players, are strikers in Kuame, Vlaovic, and Kutrone. So I want to see, you know, can they perform? Can they, you know, when the pressure's on to keep the club up, can they score goals in big games to get Fiorentina, uh, you know, a draw or a last-minute win? So um, whereas before, you know, they were playing, I think it was a 4-3-3 with Yakini or a version of that or 3-5-2. Anyways, uh, I would want to see Prandelli playing them as much as possible to see if, you know, do they have what it takes to play at this level? And if not, then maybe they need to get sold and uh, change directions. But that's that's yeah. what I would. I think Chris, I think you made a great point. Again, they they have 
Um, they have some key players there that could have made a difference or could still make a difference, but they need to, uh, need, they need perhaps a little bit of a change in um, strategy there on how they're going to build that team and how they're going to present themselves because that's it. They're, it's not going well for them so far. Right. So if they, you know, they actually only sit four points out of a relegation spot. So if that's, you know, any of Torino, Genoa, Cortone seem to turn it on at any point here, any stretch here, they're in, they're very much in danger of, of uh, falling. Yeah. And I think we talked about this before the season too, that we thought that Fiorentina didn't do enough uh, in terms of, you know, obviously they, they lost Chiesa as well at the end of the transfer market, but we were saying, you know, if, if they did want to challenge for Europe, they would have to do something something right and they didn't really do much so it's kind of they're reaping what they sowed here uh okay let's go to spezia in 17th place so after 13 games two wins five draws six losses 11 points um on par with fiorentina here in terms of points and and um record but uh, what are we thinking of uh new new boy spezia So I thought they were going to be like Benevento from the from uh, their first season Serie A, like you know only picking mm-hmm. up like ten points for the whole season or something like that. And uh, I, I mean they're and and again that comes to the fact that I said before that they're playing this positive uh, style of play, a positive calcio, and it's come it's it's come to their rescue. They're they've been in games uh, most of the games their season. Like I think every I want to say. Other than the fact that they got blown up by Crotone, they've been in all of the games so far this season. Uh, you know, they, they only lost 2-1 against Lazio. They lost 2-1 against Inter. And uh, uh, and they also picked up a point against one of the big clubs, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Uh, so good on, <laughs> uh, good on um, Italiano. And I, ho- I do hope that they, they stay in Serie A just based on the fact uh, yeah, they've stolen. The they, they drew Atlanta. That's it. Thank, thank you, Mike. And then just to, to further that, so like lost two one to Lazio. Uh, it was four uh, one to Juve. Granted, two um, nil to Milan. So they've they've been in a lot of their games, right? And just looking at their upcoming schedule, so they have you know Verona. Um, you know, Napoli, probably a loss there, but then Samp and then Torino. So uh, I know Samp is a bit higher up the table. Torino's obviously off to a rough start, but those are, you know, three of their next four games. I think it's fair to say they should expect, they they should be aiming to get points in three of those four games. Again, the Napoli game will be tough, especially it's at Napoli, but um, yeah, it's games like those that they can just kind of keep chip, uh, chipping away at that. Is it 36 points, Paulo? Is the, the uh, 40 points. 40 points. 40? Well, yeah, 40 yeah. Points last year, so Genoa had 39 act. for 17th yeah, place. Just, so let, let's do the first to be relegated or the first down there are 35 there points. Go. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, they're obviously off to a good start for a newly promoted side. And like Paulo, I, I like the way uh, Vincenzo Italiano has Spezia set up. It's not negative. Um, you know, they're organized and they do what they have to do defensively, but it's they're not boring games when Spezia plays. And also, just to mention on individual players, I do in, enjoy watching Matteo Ricci. I think he's the linchpin of their midfield, and um, uh, Sam Doria Loney, Julian uh, Chabot, has also been a rock 
at the back for, for Spezia. And of course, um, you know, they're missing Galabinov, uh, but uh, Inzola has kind of stepped up uh, in his place. And, you know, and he scored. Yeah, against, I was going to uh, mention Inzola. I think he was someone who uh, has been actually providing them with a little bit of quality, right? That, you know, he scored, I think, six goals this season, too, so far, which is good for them, for sure. Uh, okay, Paul is a little tired, so why don't we hurry up here and we'll jump into um, the uh, first uh, relegation spot, which is Torino. Uh, at uh, They have seven points. So they have, after 13 games, one win, four draws, eight losses. So what do we think of Torino in 18th? Okay, I kind of want to let the uh, Milan fan who put uh, Giampaolo in his top five start with this one. Yes, yes. Thank you, Paolo. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will first say I thought Giampaolo would have got the sack earlier. Um, that being said, I think it's a smart move from Kaido to kind of see it out in that I, I assume that, you know, when he hired Giampaolo, he saw him as, you know, a bit more of a long-term solution, not just somebody to get them through the season and then move on. So obviously he still believes in him. He believes in what he's able to do with the current roster and, you know, is still confident that they can at least, you know, avoid the drop this year because that would be, you know, obviously uh, detrimental for, for Kaido and, and Torino. But uh, yeah, still disappointing nonetheless to say that Torino is an 18th at this point in the season. Um John Paul should definitely consider himself lucky to still have his job because as we've seen in, you know, most other seasons, if you're, you know, a, a traditional mid table club and you're 18th, you know, a third of the way into the season, usually you lose your job. So lots of work for Torino to do. Um, again, I would like to say that they should be, you know, active somewhat in the transfer window, but I know the funds aren't um, always readily available for a club like Torino. So um, yeah, like I've mentioned before as well, um, you know, his spot in my top five managers list is, uh, it's up for grabs because of where they're at, but, uh, lots of work for Torino to do the one, you know, bright spot right now is Bellotti. He's still playing at a high level. He, he's taken that confidence into his play with the Azzurri, which was nice to see, but, um, yeah, obviously big steps Julian. still left for Torino. Uh, yeah. I just want to say I'm a little surprised where they currently are. I think they'll ultimately survive the drop. Um, but, yeah, they need to kind of figure their shit out as well. I think they could use some help in defense. I don't find their defenses all that good. Um, but I kind of agree, Chris. I think it's nice to see that Giampaolo is still there and that they feel they have an actual plan as opposed to just kind of appointing interim managers here and there. Yeah. Going the Palermo route and just yeah, sack after sack. <laughs> but the thing is that for me, it's the the fact that they've yeah. conceded so many goals late in the game that kind of kind of is kind of disappointing. And I mean, as a manager, the fact that I like I think I roughly like roughly they've lost twenty something points. Uh, so far this season, in the sense that where they were winning and they blew the lead, or they actually lost the game. Uh, for me, that's unforgivable. I mean, if they, if like, just think about it, they would be up in, you know, the top half of the table fighting for Europe if they managed to hold on to those leads, right? 
so to me, I, I'm still shocked that Giampaolo has his job. If this was a normal season and he, and uh, you lose uh, 20-something points from, a, from leading positions and you, ha- you go into a Christmas break that's usually, I think, in theory, uh, is two weeks in a normal season, uh, he's sacked. Uh, I mean, he's, he should be thankful for that it's an abnormal season for the reason why he still has his job. Yeah, just to touch on that too. I, I know you're right. Traditionally, he would lose his job, but I think that's you know a problem at some cases. I mean, it's well documented now that you know foot, you know managers at the highest level. I'm sure the the average tenure is is probably less than a year. Like average, I know there's the the Klops of the world and, uh, you know, so, you know, Allegri was at Juve for a while, but I think, you know, presidents and boards are quick to pull the trigger. And, you know, there is statistically um, a spike, a positive spike in results when a manager is sacked, but that's a band-aid solution in my opinion. Um, so, you know, if it's, you know, four or five games left in the season and you're fighting relegation, then okay, then maybe that's the right time to pull the trigger because you need that spike. You need to give the players that kick in the ass. But when you're 10 games into the season and, uh, you know, Torino's, you know, they're four points back of Spezia, which obviously is not where they want to be, but they're not completely out of it yet. So I, I do commend Kaido for, like I said before, just being patient. He obviously had a plan when he hired Giampaolo. Um, and I think he deserves some credit for just sticking to his guns. And obviously there's a a certain threshold. Eventually, if the results don't improve, he has to pull the trigger, but I do commend him for, for sticking with Giampaolo this far. Uh, Okay. Let's move on to um, Genoa in 19, 19th place. So again, same, same um, record one, four and eight with a, with seven points here. So we're, what do we think of Genoa's place in the relegation zone here? I'll start it off with the fact that uh, I believe it was today, uh, Monday, that uh, Ballardini replaced Moran, who's been officially sacked. And this is Ballardini's fourth time at Genoa, which I guarantee <laughs> the reason why he came back was because he's, he's still being paid by uh, by Preziosi. That's the only reason why <laughs> he's back. I mean, uh, uh, I think it was he's been quoted, Preziosi that is, that he called Ballandini a terrible manager and doesn't know anything about his players. So if someone says that historically about another person or another manager and you bring them back, there has to be an ulterior motive. Why? And that ulterior motive is definitely financial reasons. I mean, he could have brought back Davide Nicolo, who I think is a better manager to kind of – Roused the players for a relegation battle. He saved Genoa last season as well. And and to me, in my opinion, deserved to continue on at the start of this season. Uh, so again, I think it's just very poor decision-making by the general president. And I hope, honestly, and this is another club where no Syria fan would shed tears if they get relegated. No, I think they honestly kind of deserve relegation. I think they've finished... What seventeenth of the two years in a row now? Yeah, for sure. So I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be sad to see them <laughs> finally get the drop and at exactly. least like, come up with a plan instead of just barely exactly. surviving. That's exactly. I I agree with 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 both of you and and going back to what we were just talking about with you know this coaching carousel. 
Genoa has been, you know, one of the biggest users of this coaching carousel. Like, why, why the hell is 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 uh, is he coming back for a fourth stint? Uh, again, m- makes zero sense to me. Uh, I don't know. I I would like to think, or I would hope that they would have brought in a manager that they could see carrying the team past this season. But obviously, Baladini's the the band aid solution. But like you, Paulo, I don't see it working. To be honest, I hope it doesn't work. I think relegation is the kick in the ass that Genoa needs to, again, revisit everything and come up with a legitimate plan because uh, <laughs> finishing 17th two years in a row, they play shit shit stuff. Um, Skamaka is obviously one bright one bright spot, and I'm I think I can see him going in January just from a financial perspective, uh, not even a sporting. Uh, he's I think he's just on loan actually. I don't even think they own him. Genoa. Yeah, it's Kamaka. I'm oh, pretty sure Kamaka, he's on loan from someone. Yeah, I think it's a swallow. Yeah, oh, yeah, I it think is a, it is yeah. a loan. Okay, yeah. So then, forget uh, that. There is no bright spot on general. <laughs> well, actually, so uh, so, so technically, there is. I got to point out the fact that uh, I think it's Mattia Rovella who plays uh, uh, center mid. I think oh, he's point. is yeah. a is a general youth player, and most likely will be sold for a financial profit. But another another bright spot for you know for for the Juventus fans on yeah, on, on the pod uh, is uh, uh, Piaka, who has been uh, you know coming back from you know devastating knee injuries. Uh, he scored a couple of goals this season. Uh, at, at least you know from an uh, an outside perspective, mostly Juventus fans, of course, uh, seeing yeah. uh, you know one I of their agree. players think, you know, performing uh, well on you know based on where he was in his career and and you know his kind of circumstances, he needed to kind of show up somewhere and, and kind of showing up here is it's, you know, obviously not the best place to be in the, in the, the 19th place in the league, but again, good for him just to kind of be able to find a little bit more of his game again. Um, I'll say the one bright spot so far this season, probably, I mean, aside from the one win they have against Cortone is probably last week uh, when they, when Mattia Destro um, had a fantastic game, uh, he ends up scoring uh, a brace against AC Milan, um, and it's probably uh, the highlight of of the season so far, by far. <laughs> I'll give it to you. I literally <laughs> cry. Michael, I was going to say, what would you do if you had signed Destro? Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's move on. Why don't we uh, we'll wrap up the show here with uh, well we'll do Crotone in twentieth here, and then we'll we'll do City of Minute. But Crotone uh, in twentieth place, thirteen games played, they have one win, three draws, and nine losses for six points here. Uh, so Crotone, new boys, not so hot. So. Um... Again, I'll start it off because of the uh, relegation uh, zone here. Um, I was calling for Stropa to be sacked earlier on this season because I thought uh, he, he, you know, he didn't cut it. Again, I was looking for uh, – I thought Walter Zenga would return or David Nicola would return as well. But, uh, you know, maybe he's been turning it around. I mean, again, the win against uh, Spezia, they blew him out at home 4-1. Uh, picking up the point against uh, – I know they already, they already picked up the point against – Juventus, but maybe there's a bright spot, but I don't think uh, they're they're good enough to to stay up. There's better teams ahead of them that have mm-hmm. the money and the quality to stay up. 
Yeah, agreed. I, 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 there's just not enough talent on the roster from what they have right now. Again, they're not gonna. They don't have the cash to inject players into the squad in January. So, realistically, they're gonna be in twentieth, maybe nineteenth. Yeah. For me, I think uh, you know they haven't they haven't shown that same um, that same fighting spirit as like a Spezia and a Benevento, right? The, their sister. Uh, I guess um, uh, promoted clubs for the season. I think again, beating Spezia is good for them because they they needed that in terms of you know having a fighting chance here at this point. But they need to do that a little bit more if they want to if they want to make any kind of splash here. If they want to stay up, right? They're at, granted they're only what is it five points out technically uh, on Spezia in seventeenth, so. You know, can they do it? I mean, it's not impossible. All these teams, like everyone's, like we've been saying here, have to reach at least forty points if they want to stay in this, right? So it's it's going to be um, this is this is another knife fight, right? We talked about the knife fight up in um, from four to tenth. This one from you know twentieth up to up the table till probably about I want to say fifteenth with Parma. Like that's you know six point difference. It's not unheard of to see, you know, Crotone win two and then they're, you know, above Parma, right? Like it's, it's exactly. So it's, that's another, another knife fight. I think that's going to be important to kind of keep an eye on. And, and if, uh, yeah, who knows again, maybe it's Fiorentina being replaced by one of these three teams. I, I think they're missing quality in midfield. I, I, I know they have Zanelato who I, I'm, I mean, most likely uh, was, I believe, a former Juventus Primavera player, probably a Serie B quality at best. Uh, the only bright spot... Milan, Milan player. Was a Milan, Milan player? Okay, my, my mistake. Can I guess? Um, Can I guess? Another, a, a bright spot. We're talking about bright spots. relegation. Say that again? Go ahead. Well, okay, maybe. <laughs> but I was, I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, Macias. Uh, I think he's been uh, their offensive threat in, in all the games that uh, uh, they've been in. And uh, if if they do have a fighting chance of mm. survival, I they think they have a 31-year-old named Mustachio. Mustachio. But I, again, if uh, they need they need they need to definitely dip in the January transfer market. If not, uh, I, I see uh, perhaps a, a season just as bad as as Benevento right. or or Derby County from from Inc. from the Julian. Last words on Crotone. I mean, there's not really much to say. I don't think they're. <laughs> going to survive. I don't think they have a chance to be honest with you. They've been by far the weakest team. They've had a few bright spots here and there, but overall through I think it, it makes sense. A lot of really a lot of what of you know the results have tell, told us, except maybe that Spezia um, that, that their win against Spezia where Spezia you would have thought probably had the upper hand in terms of the quality, but this is exactly what, probably where they should have been. All right. Well, that uh, that kind of finishes everything. That's the whole table from we went from one to twenty only in three point two hours. So 
That's incredible. <laughs> yes, we have time for City B Minutes. Uh, Paul, you know what and, you need? You need some got form for of um, like a, a theme song. Let's let's get let's work on a theme song for City Okay. Okay, my bad. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll work on one during the Christmas break. How about that? Okay, so the, again, uh, there was two rounds of games that were played. Uh, big results from round 12. We'll start with their quick ones. Uh, Empoli beat Crotone. Uh, sorry, not Crotone. Empoli beat Cremonese 1-0. Monza beat Antella 5-0. Uh, and that led to uh, Empoli taking the top of the table after round 12. Round 13, Empoli tied uh, Cable 1-1. Uh, yeah. our, our beloved Pescara, yeah. Michael, uh, won, beat Monza 3-2. Very important game. Uh, and then for, uh, Salernitana tied Frozenone 0-0. Okay, so there was a game uh, on Monday. Salernitana overcame a 1-0 deficit at halftime to beat Antella 2-1. So this uh, means that they have re- temporarily retaken the, uh, the lead at the top of the table, depending on results uh, tomorrow. So, uh, big news off the pitch, since we're talking about Serie B. Uh, so, Kevin Prince Boateng, uh, Monza star, has broken up with uh, famous model Melissa Sada. So, again, I think that's some very important news to bring up, since we're talking cultural and off the pitch. Is he still uh, working on his rap career? That's what yeah. I think everybody <laughs> wants to know. Isn't he? I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're, you're the music expert. <laughs> I know he has a couple songs. They're on the There you go. <laughs> okay, so um, like I said, uh, Empoli can retake the league with a top of the win against Reggiana. Uh, tomorrow's games are very important. Spal versus Lecce, Pescara versus Brescia, and Cittadella versus Frosinone. So quick roundup of the table. Top eight, Salernitana so far with 14 games played. Uh, top of the table, 28 points. Empoli 26 with 13. Uh, Frozenone, 24 points. Cittadella, 23. Spal, 23. Venezia, 22. Lecce, 21. Monza, 20. The bottom of the table, Cremonese with 12. Pescara with 11. Forza! Ashley, 6. Antella, 5. Yeah. Well, that's huge. Pescara added a direct relegation. Uh, beating yeah, someone we'll see. who's, well, I mean, playing against, a decent uh, well. against Russia. So we'll see if that uh, that form can continue. Yeah, exciting, exciting times. Um, okay, I think that's uh, all for the show then today. Um, I guess we should say uh, first off, um, I hope everyone is taking the time this holiday season to. Uh, just be thankful for a lot of the stuff that they have. Again, I know that uh, especially with this pandemic, there's a lots, there's lots of uh, crazy stuff that's happening. So um, here specifically in Ottawa, we're, we're about uh, looks like to be entered into a second lockdown. So I just want everyone to make sure that they're being safe, make sure that you're practicing safe social distancing. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh that's that's all for my PSAs. I, I want to make sure that everyone is uh, following us on the Twitter at uh, Rate This Way and on Instagram at uh, RTW Calcio. Um, I think that kind of covers everything. Guys, what do you think? Uh, 
Well, happy holidays. Uh, yeah, we'll try. I think, I think that weekend. makes sense. Monday, and, Tuesday. Uh, we'll be back, what, next Monday? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Tuesday, I think, a normal release day. We should be able to record one. <laughs> sometimes yeah, maybe good, sometimes so maybe shit. <laughs> okay, so uh, what we'll do here then to finish off the show is uh, we won't um, uh, we didn't forget our goals of the week, so we'll finish off some match day twelve and thirteen goals of the week. Uh, first was uh, who was it? Barrow uh, for match day twelve and Ilicic. Was it Ilicic? For the match day 13, 13. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's finish off with the yeah. show uh, with that. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Four to Robbie. Musa Battle. Musa Battle with the strike. He saw the goalkeeper off his line. And in incredible fashion, Musa Battle has locked Provadel from the best part of 40 yards. Bilicic. Little dip of the shoulder still going. Josip Bilicic. He's been Atalanta's hero, and heaven knows they needed a hero. A sensational performance in the second half.